DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Welcome in on a Thursday morning. And what a weird day this is. Does it feel bizarre to you? No jazz game to talk about. No jazz game to look forward to. No jazz game last night. No jazz game tonight. And I'm telling you right now, that's a beautiful thing. Sucks for the sports talk show host because, you know, every time we have a big game, it makes our job easier. So, all right, give me a big game. But the team needed the break. They needed the time off. Uh, a lot has been made of their schedule. It's more congested for everybody this year. They just they started later. They're trying to get games in. And they are going to, you know, the regular season, we don't know how long it's going to go, but it's going to go later. And the playoffs are going to go later than normal. But it's still congested. There are fewer off days. And guys get worn. And when you're, when you're a three-point shooting team and you're tired and your legs aren't there, either the shots are going to be short and hit the front of the rim or – you throw it at the rim with your arms because you know you don't have your legs, and that makes the shot flat, and it kicks off the back of the rim, but it makes the target smaller. So you, you lose that, that kind of loft and everything that makes you a really good shooter. So the Jazz need the downtime here. And the downside of playing Indiana so early, which made the Indiana game hard, was they got the flight in and got to bed at a normal time. You need days in the NBA where you're not on a plane and you don't play a game. That's when you start to... You know, when you're tired, when you start to feel feel fresh again and, and have that extra little zip in your step and shoot the three better and your legs are there. And so the Jazz did get that on Monday, and that's kind of the thing we didn't talk about. We tend to focus on, oh, this works against them. You never say, uh, here is the upside of that. What worked against them, because they had less rest going to Indiana, gave them more rest going into the Boston game. But now to have two days off with no flight and no game, I think the guys will feel good. On, uh, on Friday night. Now they go right back into a back-to-back Friday, Saturday. But that's everybody's life in the NBA. Everybody's playing these, these congested schedules. But I do think having a couple days off here is a big deal for the Jazz. You know, they put a lot of minutes and uh, give them a chance to hit reset a little bit. Uh, what we do have coming up is some college basketball. Not a lot of college basketball, but some college basketball. Yak, we got you, Utah and Cal, right? A little bit of a grudge match here. I think Utah's better than Cal, except they lost to him at home. Don't! Oh! So, you got that. BYU's in the middle of a, of a stretch of not playing. The Aggies have had their games canceled. So, it's a little uh, it's a little weird out there, but we got a little, you know, we got a little something. But for the Jazz, I really think having nothing is is just a, it's a big benefit right now. It's a, it's a major plus. All right, we're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, we got a couple things to hit. One, Tim Lacombe on the Jazz and how much they're winning and why that is and the things he's watching for and listening for that in his mind are the cues uh, to why, why they are winning and why they're pulling this off. Um, and I also want to correct something I just misspoke. I said the Utes play Cal tonight. It depends on if you f- call 4 o'clock nighttime. It's an early game, but for you Ute fans looking for the game, don't go looking for it at 7 o'clock. You know, now they're not having fans, they're spreading games out for TV networks. So, 4 o'clock for the Utes and Cal, and that game is, uh, is in Berkeley, and you can see it on the, on the Pac-12 network. And I don't want to cheat Weber State either. Weber State has thrown themselves right in the middle of a crazy race in the big sky. They're at Montana, 5 o'clock today. All right, DJ and PK, got to take a break. When we come back, Tim Lacombe, Talking Jazz. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show.
From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to hear from Tim Lacombe. We had him late in yesterday's show, uh, so he's going to drop some last night references to the Jazz win over the Celtics. I can confirm Tim does know what day it is, so we do know that. Tim's got a lot of issues, but the day of the week he's usually very solid on. So here's Tim with PK and I on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Tim, good morning. Whether you want to or not, this is the guy you got. <laughs> ELC in the house. What's up, boys? So, have you gotten your second win now in the Jazz season? Because there is something, you know, you think you're watching a lot of basketball, and you think, but when you have to have the old butt in the old seat for the pre-half of the post, no matter if the game is interesting or it's predictable, if it's close or it's lopsided, you get a whole different feel for the NBA season. It can wear people down. You getting your second win now? You sound pumped. Uh, no, I'm, I'm still actually looking for, I've ordered my second win on Amazon, but it's, it's a day late. Um, I, the doorbell rings. I think they're bringing my second wind, but hopefully it will come today. Well, when it comes today, I don't know that you even need it because I have all sorts of energy for this team because the way they're playing is just simply sensational. The thing that I like is that you just look at the last two games. You know, Early last night, the shots weren't just dropping left and right. Pretty much the whole game against Indiana, three-pointers weren't necessarily dropping. So find ways to win. Can you speak to the what, – what am I looking for? Just to the hallmark of a team that finds ways to win when your number one way isn't necessarily working for you. Yeah, I think what's been um... – fascinating about this season so far and I think DJ you hit it on the head um, I've never experienced an NBA season like this you know because I'm last year I kind of did some of the games and this year I'm doing every one of them so uh, you know for me being having been in the professional long time I, I, I noticed every little thing from the very beginning of the season and you know what I think the reason this team has finds different ways to win is I believe like they're all invested in winning. Um, I think this is a a team that says all the right things, and I hear all that you know from coaches and from the players. But what's really exciting to me is that that message and everything they talk about. When you watch that with your eyes, you watch the games. You see all of that. You see all of the, you know that they're intent on making the right basketball play that guys have committed to becoming better defenders. Um, you know, that, you know, the coaching staff, we're going to play faster and we're going to, we're going to tweak kind of what we do. And they certainly have done that. And so what's exciting to me is that all that stuff you mentioned, PK is definitely um, tangible. It's not ethereal. It's not stuff that, you know, a lot of times players and coaches will say stuff and then, the actual product on the court doesn't match anything that's being said. And I think that that's, to me, been more exciting than anything is that this plan was put in place uh, and the buy-in from the team seems to be 100%. And I think when you do that, you're not fixated on simply one way to win, but 
like you mentioned, finding ways to do that. So it seems like even when things are going wrong, and this is one of the things they say, but it's hard to do, even when things are going wrong, there seems to be this mix of, well, number one, they keep doing what they're doing. You know, you keep shooting threes, right? But there also seems to be this patience and like, hey, we can get rebounds or we can defend and lock guys down. So even when it's going wrong and they're down by six at Indiana, it still feels like they got this. And that level of confidence to get that is, it's a really hard thing to do. But it seems like they've done it and they've got it. No, it's funny because I, I actually made that comment to Jake. As tough as that game was in Indiana and tough as a circumstance with three days in or excuse me, three games in three and a half days, obviously the early tip time for the Super Bowl. Um, and an Indiana team that really, that team and those guys have given the Jazz trouble. I think last year they beat the Jazz 25 in Indiana. Mm-hmm. So um, I had the same feeling, though. You know, the Jazz, there there was parts of the game where they just maybe weren't clicking, um, but their defense, their rebounding, their attention to detail really keep them in every game. And you know with this team that that spurt's coming. Um, and again, the, the nice thing about it, it doesn't have to come in any particular way. It doesn't have to be they may make a flurry of threes or they, they get the game out and transition a bunch. They can beat you in so many different ways, and it's really a couple of those things stacking up that start a run. And then once they go on a run and the confidence kicks in even more, you know that's where, like last night with Boston, I knew it was, it was a kind of a nip-and-tuck close game but I knew the Jazz had their run in there. And it honestly, I felt really comfortable the entire game that they were going to find a way to win. How about old man Joe Ingles, man? Joe, if you're driving to work, you're one of the senior guys on the team, so I get to call you that. Or not to work, driving your kid to school. Uh, Conley's out, so he just plays one of his better, if not the best game of the season, man. That's quite the luxury to be able to call on him and have him deliver like that. Such a luxury. Uh, you know, I've talked about it. It's What makes this Jazz team unique is, uh, you know, for years our, our come from around here was a big guy gets the rebound and throws it out to Stockton or Darren Williams, and they dribble the ball up and they initiate offense. And, you know, you run great half-court stuff and you screen hard and you play really fast, you know, play with a ton of energy, and that gets you what you want. Um, to be able to have a couple of different guys that, you know, you can outlet the ball to or can bring it on their own, uh, heaven forbid, you know, start the break, which is really hard to, to defend against. Uh, but then to be able to put all those guys, and by those guys, they're not just guys. Like you mentioned, Joe Ingles is, he is phenomenal. Um, he may be one of the best guys in pick and roll, and his pace, People we talk about pace as coaches all the time, and pace is kind of this uh, – ethereal word for you know really reading the situation and transition with pace you really want to have some fire in your step like we saw donovan late in the game last night take that thing all the way to the cup and score um but pace can also be in a ball screen where you know you you come off the ball screen you're in sync with the guy setting it um everything happens in synergy between the two of you you're reading your defender if your defender's behind you you keep them on their hip and what he's just he's just so good at reading the defense and you know to have Mike Conley out and to be able to bring a guy like that in to just run the show and calm everything down 
ends up with six assists, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and the thing I'll say about Joe, I think, you know, we talked a lot about Mike Conley being a little bit out of his comfort zone last year. And I think it really affected Joe, too. And I think that's where we saw Joe, you know, maybe trying to figure out how he fit, where the shots were coming from. I don't sense that at all this year. I think he's uh, completely comfortable. And, like, last night, in my mind, there's a lot of reasons the Jazz won the game. But I think, PK, you're on to probably one of the biggest reasons. And, you know, Donovan was spectacular. Um, but Joe really, like Mike's done all year, kind of ran the show, held everything together. And I'm a huge fan of Joe. I, he loves fun playing the game. He doesn't take it all that too serious. Um, he understands bigger things. But, man, he's a competitive guy, and he really, really understands score and wants to win. Well, you can tell that with the trash talking because he gets going sometimes. Yeah. But I, I, mean, I want you to – me. Literally, i got three of us playing. <laughs> you know, I, I would be in your grill. I want you to talk about the pace, and you must have, as a college coach, tried to coach up you know, freshmen and sophomores on this kind of stuff because you'll hear a team that loses and has a lot of turnovers say, oh, they sped us up. And you want to be fast and athletic and have that when you need it. But the best defensive players slow down. They know they have all the answers. And they're just waiting to read, like, what are you going to take away from me? Okay, if you take that, then I can go do this. Because they've got – are you doing dishes? <laughs> no, no, I'm just grabbing a Diet Coke out of the, <laughs> okay, good. Out of the garage. <laughs> so they, they've got all the answers. And so the whole slow-mo Joe thing isn't because Joe is slow. If he were that slow, every pick and roll would be run at him, and the Jazz would be giving up 150 points. He's that slow because when you're on offense and you're really in command, you get to do that and it makes you more dangerous. Can you kind of explain that and elaborate it and how you try to teach it to you know 19-year-olds? <laughs> and he's got well, it. You, you actually just did a great job because really that is the essence of it. Um, pace is not particularly the, the speed with which you play, but more the force. And the force is dictated, obviously, by what you see um, your defender – Obviously, everything starts with your defender. Uh, your defender will give you cues. Um, when, they, when you catch the ball and you, you just take a snapshot of, you know, who, who am I first and what are my strengths and then what's my defender? You know, where is he and what's he doing? And a lot of times guys will close at a bad angle and open up the gate. And, again, if you're tuned into all that stuff, you'll have a great understanding. And what's awesome this year about the Jazz is really all it takes to get uh, an offensive spurt started is pushing the ball in transition and breaking the paint or catching the ball on a skip, you know, start with a ball screen, come off it, skip it. Your guys reacting to how, you know, to you catching the ball. And when they close to you, that's where your opportunity to read and in pace dictates, hey, I'm going to be patient here uh, and use a ball screen or no, hey, this guy is completely out of position. I am going to take advantage of that left shoulder and I'm going to drive hard right through that straight line and I'm going to put pressure on the defense. And in a ball screen, um, you know, you need to let the guy get set. That's number one. You guys have, you know, you and the guy setting it have to be in an unbelievably good sync. And he has to be set. You've seen oftentimes where Rudy's not quite set, guy starts and moving pick. So it's an easy way to, to 
to foul it up if you're too, you know, if you're too quick. But um, catch the ball, survey it, read your man, and then the next progression is read, you know, read the help. And what the Jazz have done so good is I think they've communicated and taught that so well that they're always figuring out a way to play on advantage. And last night, Boston switched everything. And we know that's been a little bit of a, a kryptonite deal with Rockets, you know, teams with length that can switch. And it really did kind of slow the Jazz down in the first half, but it didn't bog them down. And they got to, the, to halftime and they went in and made some adjustments. And they came out and absolutely torched it. And as David said last night, you know, most teams have a plan and it works fairly well for a bit. And then they got to pull the ripcord on the plan. And that's when you know you're playing great offense and you are using pace to your advantage. So over the course of the next two weeks, they got Milwaukee, Philadelphia, the Clippers twice. Uh, the Lakers, Miami's sort of a disappointment, but they've had all sorts of issues there. But nevertheless, the teams that I just looked at are just named all pretty good teams. So schedule beefs up. Uh, what are you expecting as far as this goes? It's funny. We talked about this on the pregame last night. And, you know, when you have an 11-game winning streak and you win 16 out of 17, isn't that where we're at right now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um I think the expectation is probably to win every game you play. I mean, that's, I've got a whole theory on expectation and how, uh, what I feel like the jazz are doing is they're now prepping for Milwaukee and they're figuring out ways to tweak their plan last time that worked well so that they, you know, Milwaukee has to come in here and re and adjust to what the jazz are doing. Um, my expectation is that this team is, right now one of the top you know three or four teams in the nba and you know record would say they're number one we all know that there's really good players out there but i think if the jazz can continue to keep it simple and i love that they've got a couple days off because i certainly needed one um i needed i can't believe i got two nights off in a row it's pretty awesome but these guys are going to thrive on this little break and my my thought is i think this comes at a great time because akin to like a video game the jazz have played you know about middle of the road they're probably 15th in strength of schedule um so they played really good teams and they played some teams that aren't considered great but this is an opportunity now to level up and this um this little stretch which they passed the first test last night i think they're in the right mindset where hey they're not looking at it being like we just said you know the bucks and the Heat, and the Clippers twice. They're looking at this thing like the Bucks. You know, what do we have to do to be successful against the Bucks? And they roll it out there and play. And I think as long as they can keep it simple, I really do believe they can. I mean, my thought is let's win three or four at home and let's go down there and split in L.A. Uh, but understanding that this Jazz team has the, the capacity and, that, and they could go in there and, do, and win them all, I wouldn't be totally shocked. But I think they go on some, another crazy run right here. It's just validation to everything that we've talked about to this point. So how much do players really, and you told your players, tune out the noise, tune out the noise. But how much do they tune it out? Because 
PK and I were sitting there before the Celtic game going, Donovan's going to go off. A, he's going to have a great stat line because he's a great player and he has a lot of great stat lines. But he gets B, to Shaq if he does. Right. Conley, yeah. Conley's out, so he knows, right? There's nobody to pick it up if I'm a little off, so I better not be a little off, right? And then three, it's TNT and Shaq's watching. That's right. I'm going to drop the hammer. And so sure enough... 36 points, and he's sticking multiple threes. And you know you're not supposed to when you're defended. If you have to jump over a guy to be open, you're not open. And that rule applies to 99% of the players, but it doesn't apply to the best. And so Donovan, you know, jumps four feet in the air over a guy and sticks a three from 27 feet. I mean, it was ridiculous, and everybody went nuts, but he did it. So how much is he really tuning out the noise, and how much of that is BS? And he wanted to just light it up on TNT. Well, you can't in this day and age tune out all of the noise. Um, you know, obviously these guys like us uh, have access to more information than we know what to do with. Um, I think tuning out the noise is not so much a physical thing, but a mental thing. And I think there's sometimes the noise can motivate you uh, in like in the case of this, you know, the, the Shaq stuff. Um, and I just want to take an opportunity to thank Shaq for um, you know, looking out for us and, and coaching up Donovan because I thought that was sure admirable. Um, of course, uh, but, but I think that that's the key is I, I think you can get too entrenched in it and you be, you know, you start thinking that your worth somehow is, is defined by what people think. And that's certainly not the case. I think the piece to this, and again, I started with this, I'll I'll come back to it. I listen intently to everything that is said by this this team and the coaches, and whether it be Lagarza or Wells at halftime, um, Quinn before the game and after the game, and then the myriad of players that you get an opportunity to listen to. And the thing that I am tuning into, what I'm really trying to see is, are the words that are being spoken, and the stuff that's transpiring on the floor, are they congruent? Because I'm seriously, it, it could be a funny uh, exercise to sit and listen to a bunch of stuff that sports people say, and then you go watch their games and say, they're not even, they not even sound like, they don't even look like the same thing. Where I think the Jazz are really clued into stuff here is I think the mental side of this thing is really solid. And Whatever they're doing with that, however they're focusing, keep it up because I think it's uh, it's definitely paying dividends. And this team is mature, you know, like Donovan's mature beyond its years, his years. But the mixture of exciting young guys and vets um, that have been down a road before that's ended in discouragement and want something a little bit different, I think that's what's motivating all this. And so. Yeah, you cannot turn out, tune out the noise completely, but my thought is you can use that noise and some of the information that comes from it to your advantage. He's Tim Lacombe. He's on the Jazz Radio broadcast, and he is off until Friday. Woohoo! Then you get a back. And I'm not doing the dishes. <laughs> That's good. Once upon a time, a listener got a nickname because he actually was doing dishes while lighting this up. Well, I'm sure I've got nicknames um, that aren't shared with me, but uh, Timmy Tangent will stick with that. And we did good today staying on on task because PK was so quiet. Yeah, well, I mean, I do what I do. And you do it very well, sir. Thank you. 
All right, Tim Tim McComb. Tim, we will talk to you again next week. We'll hear you uh, Friday night. Sounds great. Thank you all for having me on. Have a great day. There's Tim Lacombe with PK and I. When we come back, we're going to switch gears. Back off the basketball talk, a little football with Aaron Roderick, offensive coordinator at BYU. They need a new starting quarterback. And who else might be coming into the program that could excite BYU fans? We'll get to that next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280, The Zone. It's time to welcome in BYU Offensive Coordinator Aaron Roderick. Aaron, good morning. Good morning, guys. What's going on? Well, Aaron, we had you on to find out what you think about the Jazz. No, we didn't. Oh, but it seems like that's the only thing we're talking about right now because they are. It's fun, man. In fact, I've been watching them a lot. It's, well, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, they are crushing it. No, we did have you on to talk BYU football. And uh, you are now the offensive coordinator. You've been the offensive coordinator before. Uh, but now Jeff Grimes has moved on. So you are in charge of the Cougar offense. And there's so many questions. There are so many transitions to be made here. I guess, uh, number one, what do you take from this past year and think, we've got to hold on to X, whatever X is? And some of the personnel is changing. Obviously, the quarterback is. But this one thing we are going to hold on to, we have to make this part of our identity. It really works for us. Yeah, our identity was huge. We want to, we want to keep it. And that, that identity was that you know, we're, a physical, we're a physical team that can throw the ball down the field. And that's that is the most important thing that we need to maintain. And uh, that's, that was a great first question, really, because that's all we've been talking about. And uh, it, it's funny, uh, several of our players, offensive linemen in particular, approached me as we were uh, trying to hire an offensive line coach, and had a, several of those guys say, "Whatever you do, let's make sure that with this hire that we maintain that identity." It was important to them. They, they, the guys get it. Grimey did a good job of pounding that into their heads about we're a physical team, we're, we're reliable guys, and we can throw the ball down the field anytime. And so that's what, that's what we want to maintain, and, and the way that we present that from week to week can change a little bit. But um, that, 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 that identity has to, has to you know, continue. So usually uh, a particular coordinator on his side of the ball, he has a significant say in who's being hired to coach under him, basically, and there's some type of connection. What was the connection with this guy here, Funk, that you brought in to bring him aboard at BYU? Uh, so I didn't actually know him, which you're right, is rare. Most of the time, hires like this, you're hiring somebody you know at least a little bit. Um, I didn't actually know Coach Funk, but I had coached against him at three different schools. So he, he was the offensive line coach for Sonny Lubick at Colorado State, and we coached against them a couple times in my early days at Utah. And then he was Brady Hoke's O-line coach at San Diego State, so coached against him there a couple more times, and then also coached against him at Michigan. When, we, when, we, uh, put, when I was at Utah, we played Michigan a couple times, and he was, he was Brady Hoke's O-line coach there as well. And so I just 
from coaching against him over the years and seeing his teams play, I was just always impressed with the physicality that they played with and the toughness that they showed. And of course, the respect I have for Funny Lubick and Brady Hulk. I know those guys are they're going to have good good old line coaches. Uh, and then just a bunch of recommendations about, about Coach Funk from from number of people that I knew from the profession uh, and that Kalani knew as well. Just, just too many to name. A lot of, lot of people called about him and his behalf, and and then uh, spent a good, oh shoot, it was probably three weeks getting to know him, and just um, all the hours added up. I don't know how many hours added up of getting to know him, and just felt really comfortable with him and his background that he'd be a good fit here. So you and Kalani obviously both coached at the U, so you had Kyle Whittingham saying the same things over and over, the same things he says to the media over and over. Position coaches have got to recruit, so it's good that you've seen his teams play and you know how he coaches them up, but as far as a part of the country he can recruit in, contacts, his ability to recruit, what about that end of the equation? Because I, I can't imagine after working for Kyle that long that you ignored that part of the equation. Yeah, you're right. And he's he's uh, such an experienced guy. He's recruited just about everywhere. Uh, he's a veteran coach. I mean, his his uh, his resume is pretty extensive, and uh, he's he's very familiar with. He's from he's from Colorado originally, but uh, Coach Funk has recruited uh, very effectively in all over Texas. Um, obviously, he knows California really well and Arizona. You know, all the western states, and uh, and Texas. I think he has a chance to pick up where. You know, we're kind of where we left off with Grimey and Eric Mateos both having Texas uh, connections. So, um, but yeah, he's a good recruiter and um, has a, you know, a big part of recruiting too is just being able to say, I've coached these guys. Look at my, look at all these players I coach. Look how many of these guys are in the NFL. And he's got a long list of offensive linemen in the NFL or that have played in the NFL. So I think that alone, says a lot you know that gives you credibility anywhere when you go when you go recruit a player so from the fan and media perspective spring ball takes on a whole nother level of interest when there is a quarterback competition and you guys have that obviously so we're going to be wondering who's (laughs) (laughs) okay this year including you you too and so You've got an uh, opportunity to work with these guys to figure out who it's going to be, and all of us are going to be looking at who's going to take the first snap. Now, I don't know necessarily that that's a big deal, but what is your plan of attack for the quarterback position going into spring ball? Well, it, first of all, it's going to be a challenge because it's hard to get enough reps. You know, for There's a finite number of plays in every practice, and so it's it, if you spread it around too much, then it's hard to find out anything about anyone. And so, but, um, but I kind of have to do that because we've got some good players in the room. So we're going to have to, it's going to have to be a, a body of work that builds slowly, you know, over time. And so, you know, people are going to want answers after the first practice, how they look today or the fifth practice even. And it's, it's probably going to take a, a little bit of time to get each, have each guy build enough reps up with the first or second team offense um, where we can actually start, you know, maybe ranking them or making a decision. So early on, there won't be, you know, much of a ranking. Um, I, I think that Jaron and Baylor have both played in games for us and both both played well in games for us. So 
I would just, I would probably, you know, say the first few days I would see those two guys probably getting the first crack at some things. But we have a, um, Jacob Conover and Soljay Mayava as well, who, who are really good players and deserve an opportunity. So that's, it's going to take a little time to sort it out, but um, you know, I've been through these things before, and they usually you can usually tell in time like who who deserves to get the first shot at it, you know. And then and then doing it in a game and sustaining that is is the second part. But the first part's just going to be putting those guys out there and in you know and the order the order that they go in will probably change from day to day, and the situations we put them in will change from day to day. They won't always be out there with the same lineup or you know that. The drills change situationally each day, so one day might be a two-minute emphasis, another day might be a red zone emphasis, and just see how the guys react to those situations. And then, like I said, it, over time you start getting enough, a large enough body of work that you can start making some fair judgments. Aaron Rodder joined us, BYU offensive coordinator. So we've got one signing day, then we got a second signing day that's a little more on the ho hum side of things. But then the transfer portal it never ends. Our producer <laughs> Jake Hatch, aka yeah. Yock, is always updating us on the transfer portal and who's in and who's out. How many scholarships have? And I know, I know this is kind of a Kalani level decision too, and you, yeah. you probably have some input. But how many scholarships are the Cougars? holding back there must be some kind of formula kind of an idea we need old two or four or whatever the number is and what positions do you think and if we see somebody here that's kind of what we're looking at let's see if somebody pops up what are you thinking well i think we always keep one or kalani always keeps one or two spots open or at least tries to um the the transfer portal is not quite and you know, I think a couple of obvious reasons. One is just the honor code thing is not for everyone. And so that that alone whittles down the pool a little bit. And then uh, our academics are pretty tough. The grad school situation here is not not easy to get into grad school. And so um, we it's not as simple for us as just looking at the portal and saying, oh, this guy's really good and that guy's really good. And this, you know, we can't just do that. So we have to like actually know something about each one of those guys and know how, how much of a chance do they have to get in here and, and fit in here and all that stuff. That being said, like Tyson, no, everybody knows Tyson had a huge impact on our team two years ago. So anytime we have a chance at a guy like that, we're not going to pass up, pass him up. And so we are actively, uh, you know, watching the portal, but I don't think you'll see, you're not going to see like you know a great number of guys in and out every year with us. As, as maybe maybe as, it's not as easy as it can be at other places. And um, but it's it's a factor for sure. And then to, to answer the other part of your question is, we're sort of always looking for uh, those difference maker guys that, that play positions that maybe um, you know that let's be honest that that aren't as easy for us to recruit. So. Like we, you know, we we should never have a shortage of big offensive linemen here. We should never have a shortage of tight ends here, um, you know. And then, but shoot, if you get a chance to find a corner that can play, that can get into school here, and or you know, a big time playmaker of some kind, then you got to take your shot. And so, we will always be aware of those guys. But I don't think it's going to be as big of a factor at BYU ever as it is at some places. So what did Conover do 
during this past season when he was on the team but didn't play that would allow him to compete for the starting job this season? Um, man, I'm glad you asked that. So he was not supposed to join us until January, like last month. Right. Um, but right. due to the pandemic, he came home from his mission early, and we had a we had a spot for him on the roster in fall camp, and so he joined us in the fall. He actually got there late. I mean, he, I think he got there a week into school had already started, or maybe uh, I can't even remember. It was late though, and um, so took a couple minutes, a couple weeks getting acclimated, and then he he just went over and started playing scout team quarterback. And he was uh, playing against our defense every day, and trying he and trying to you know run the other team's offense, and um, he just embraced the heck out of it. I mean, he he played the role every week. He was literally trying to be the other team's guy, that that other team's quarterback, trying to run their offense and he's a he's a really good leader and took a lot of pride in it and running the scout team and uh every day i would every week i guess not every day every week i would get a comment from one of the defensive coaches about something good that he did over there or hey watch clip number 24 of team today this you got to see this throw he made or stuff like that it was so it was really cool to see him um but the, the positive was he was able to be in all of our quarterback meetings and he traveled with the team for most of the games. So he learned the whole offense already and knows all you know, knows everything that we're doing. And so now his starting point right now going into spring ball, he's way ahead of where he would have been had he just joined us in January. So the reason why I brought his name up from the start is he's he's mentally at a point where he should be able to compete with those veteran guys and um, had he had he just gotten here in January, I probably wouldn't be quite as uh, eager about saying that. But I I think he'll he's a good player and won a lot of games in high school, and I think he'll be able to compete well and make this thing interesting. Aaron Rod uh, Aaron Roderick, join us right here, BYU offensive coordinator. Uh, as you look at the schedule this year, you're playing three Pac-12 schools the first three weeks, and a lot of teams will you know, get ahead on the scouting for that first quarter of the season. But the Pac-12 played so little football, I'm wondering how much you expect that they basically are going to have two new recruiting classes to kind of discover and how much that's an X factor in prepping for them. Yeah, you're right. It's That's a strange deal because we have watched all those games already of those teams. And, you know, in, in Arizona's case, it's a whole new staff. So we're watching them just really – learning who their players are and then the defensive scheme we're watching michigan film because the defensive coordinator came from michigan so we're learning we're learning the scheme from michigan film and we're learning the players from arizona film but there's not a lot to go on there and then you know of course the other pac-12 teams as well just didn't play that many games and so you can judge what you can from it and you also in the back of your mind, you kind of know, like, I think, I think some of those, I don't want to, I can't speak for any Pac-12 teams, but I think some of those teams actually treated it a little bit like a, like an exhibition season, like, hey, let's develop players, let's find out about these guys and, and be ready for next year. You kind of get that feel as you watch some of the games. Um, it felt to me like some of the teams in the Pac-12 were subbing more than they normally would sub if the game was, if it was a, you know, a, a uh, game where you're playing for a Pac-12, you know, your, your Pac-12 championship or whatever. 
it felt that way to me. I can't say that for sure, but it seemed, sure seemed like all the teams I watched in the Pac-12 were playing a lot of different players and subbing and, and, and getting a lot of different combinations of players on the field. And um, I, I could be wrong about that, but it, it appeared that way. And so, um, but there were there's enough there. There's, there's enough good stuff to, to go by, and we'll, we'll have a good plan for those teams. And most of them will get a game or two on them next year as well. So. So I want to ask you about Baylor Romney and Jaron Hall. Uh, first, speak about Hall as far as his health. Is he healthy? And then uh, listening to you, even though Romney was number two last year, that doesn't automatically mean he's number one this year. Is that accurate? Um, yeah. So first of all, about Jaron, he is healthy. Um, and he's been doing everything with the team. He's running full speed, doing all the team workouts. He's throwing with the receivers and tight ends, um, and and he's feeling good. And that's that's good. And he's decided not to play baseball this spring, which um, you know I, I always was very supportive of him playing baseball. I mean, I, I love baseball, um, but it did take a toll on him. It was it's uh, I think that is underestimated how much how taxing that was on his health and going back and forth and just the workouts with both teams and the practices and he would he would literally run from spring practice straight over to baseball and you're talking about six hour days seven hour days just a bit football and baseball not to mention his academics and stuff so um i think he's gonna benefit this year from focusing on one sport even though i think in the past baseball made him a better football player this is a good time for him to get healthy. Uh, and then Baylor, yeah, he was number two last year, and there's no guarantees that that means he's number one, but Baylor's a good player. And I have not forgotten, and nobody's forgotten in our building, that we've won some big games with him. And that he, you know, it's easy to overlook him because he's just a, kind of an unassuming guy, but um, nothing really rattles him. And this this situation won't rattle him either. He'll he's a steady guy, and he'll go out there and and play well every day. And he's he's um, a really competitive kid, and he's an accurate thrower. So he does have a great chance to be our QB. But um, the answer to your question though is no. There's no guarantees. Um, just because he was number two last year, we're going to let everybody let everybody compete. And um, but Baylor did you know another overlooked thing was he did play well for us last year in the games he got in. Some, you know, a lot of times we were up and stuff, but shoot, he'd come in and we'd just keep rolling along. And so we've got some good players to, to work with. It's going to be a really tough tough job for me. BYU Offense Coordinator Aaron Roderick joining us. Uh, always curious if there's someone outside the program who's going to parachute in right away and become an impact guy. People may not know his name now, but by game two, three, or four, they're absolutely going to know his name. And, of course, in the case of BYU, you have so many return missionaries, but also any recruits or transfers, somebody off the radar who's going to make an immediate impact. Well, uh, Dallin Holker comes home from his mission in a couple months, and he had some big games he played really well, and, and he played well in the defense. I mean, he played well against Wisconsin. He played well in Utah. Just he, uh, was not, he, he was not afraid of the moment. As a, as a true freshman, showed a lot of ability. We're excited to get him back. And we're pretty deep at tight end, but 
he's a he's a really good player and and already well he would be one that would kind of be easy to forget about. He's been away for two years, and then uh, there's a kid named Chase Roberts that's a wide receiver from American Fork that has not played for us yet. So I don't want to put too high expectations on him. Uh, he's coming home shortly here too in a month or two, um, and yeah, he hasn't played at all. And I don't know what kind of shape he's going to be in. But he was a guy that uh, was recruited by a lot of people, Pac-12 schools, and we were at the time when we got him, we felt really fortunate. Like, okay, this is it's the time when we got him. The program was a little down, and he was a big, big get. And so, um, again, I, I don't know what his impact will be this season, but I know he's he's got a really bright future and a really, really high ceiling. He's a big, fast guy that, like I said, was recruited by a lot of people, and so. Can't wait to see what happens with him in the future. Well, I don't know that I expect the same type of season as last year, this upcoming season, but something is terribly wrong if you don't win at least 10 games. <laughs> hey, man, I've been hearing that for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Well, uh, well played, Aaron. Yeah. All right, Aaron Roderick, BYU Offensive Coordinator. Aaron, we appreciate a few minutes in the offseason. Thanks for joining us, and we're all looking forward to spring ball. Thanks for having me, guys. There's BYU Offensive Coordinator Aaron Roderick. A little comedy on the way out the door. Yeah, I've heard that. I think he was referring – well, I think he has heard that about BYU this coming season. They definitely want to keep it going. Uh, they don't want to come off a big year and go 7-6 and six and lose the momentum. Uh, so they want to have another big year. Uh, but I think it's also referencing they might have heard that a time or two at Utah. You know, maybe a time or two. Uh, if they'd won 10 or more 11 games, more of those seasons at Utah, you might still be at Utah. But uh, just a passing reference from A-Rod there. Very good. Quick on his feet. All right, when we come back, what is trending? All the headlines coming up. Stay with us. Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag NBA. Trying to get it in as Young fell down. Got it into Gallinari on the drive against Hardaway. Off balance. Short. Rebound. Hits the floor. Horn sounds. Game over. And the Mavericks have come from 13 points down in the third quarter and nine points down at the start of the fourth to beat the Atlanta Hawks tonight, 118 to 117. Irving. Handling on a high screen, slits defenders, go to the rim. Underneath with a reverse, and it's good for Kyrie Irving. Montrez, shot and game are just about sync for the tie. LeBron ties it at 105. We have no problem playing the national anthem at all. I stand for the national anthem. My hand is always over my heart. We've supported the National Flag Foundation and done work with them. That isn't the issue at all. The, the real issue is how do you how do you express the voices of those who feel the anthem doesn't represent them or causes them consternation? All right, news and highlights from around the league. In that montage, you heard multiple games. The one that matters to Jazz fans the most. The, the Lakers found a way to win again. They beat the Thunder in overtime. That's three straight overtime victories. LeBron had to hit a big shot to get him to overtime with about twenty seconds to go. PK. Both teams were shorthanded in this one. LeBron just doesn't let them lose. I mean, we can go through a lot of different things, but LeBron doesn't let them lose. Who was the Thunder short? 
I don't, I don't follow them enough to know that they were missing guys. Yeah, they were missing uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander. So oh, he's a their man. leading scorer. He has an, an, a knee injury. And Anthony Davis and Alex Caruso were out for the Lakers. Yeah, they were. LeBron finishes with 25 points, 7 assists, 6 rebounds. And they got 20 out of Montrez Harrell as well. So, Lakers win. They keep rolling. Also, the Clippers beat the Timberwolves 119-112. to Carl Anthony Towns is back. He had tested positive for COVID and been out for a long time. But he's back in the lineup. Kawhi went for 36 there to make sure the Clippers get the W. Also heard the end of the Mavericks-Hawks game. Luka Doncic with a triple-double. 28 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, and... They came from 13 down to win that one. Trey Young upset. That looked like an elbow to the face at the end of the game. I get why he was upset. Incidental contact. Okay. Incidentally, it was his face. Well, then you are at odds with Jeff Van Gundy. I am. <laughs> oh, boy. That's all right. I'm at odds with Stan Van Gundy on his social stances, so it's okay to be that way. Nuggets blow out the Cavaliers 133-95. to Paul Millsap had 22 in that one. The Suns beat the Bucks 125-124. We're going to see Milwaukee here pretty quickly. Giannis Antetokounmpo had a big game, and but had a shot to win it right at the end. Missed the shot, and so this victory goes to the Phoenix Suns, who are playing well, sitting in fourth place in the West. Antetokounmpo had 47 points and 11 rebounds in the game. Big night for him. But he missed the game. But right yet, right. in that situation, if I'm Phoenix, I am perfectly content with him shooting a a, f- a shot that is above 15 feet. And that's with what Devin Booker There's only said. like two and a half seconds to go. And that's just not his game. And you got Middleton, who's a much better shooter. There would have been like three or four guys that I would have preferred if I'm Milwaukee to take that shot than on to become a taking a perimeter shot. He's athletic as all get out. We all know that. Phenomenal player. But simply shooting a jump shot from like 15 to 18 feet. With the game on the line, yeah, if I'm the opponent, I'm perfectly fine with that. He finished with 47 points, but how often do we see 47-point games with zero three-pointers? He was 0 for 4 from the three-point line. I don't think there are many guys in the league these days who get to 47-point output without making a three-pointer. Probably not. All right, you heard uh, Mark... Cuban there, and PK, if you're explaining you're losing, he can explain a lot of things about how much he likes the anthem, but people just, I think all they hear is, you weren't playing the anthem. And the NBA reiterating its long-standing policy that all teams will play the national anthem. So the Mavericks are playing it again. They hadn't had fans there, they weren't playing the anthem. Uh, it sounds, I mean, Cuban didn't name names, but it sounds like some of his players don't like it, and so he wasn't doing it. And now he can explain a lot, but I think the league office is dealing a lot with the pandemic, and they're like, we, we can't deal with this, too. Just play the anthem. Uh, sure, but yeah, I mean, they, they dealt with it over the summer, and the pandemic was going on then, too. If you have convictions, I don't understand. The convictions, has anything changed? If you listen to some people, we've gotten worse. We're more racist. There's 75 million people who are recorded as racist. And, and and so now everything's better. I, I to me it doesn't really make any sense. If you've got convictions, stand up for them, or in this case, kneel down for them. You're just going to give in. But is that that that's what you're telling the NBA sh- that that they should do? 
I think he's saying he's being a good partner. I'm asking you, should they, did the NBA just give in? You know, I just don't think they should have started down that path in the first place because you're going with symbolism. It's just going to irritate people, and people are going to scream at each other, and it's not going to resolve anything. Nothing and resolves so- anything. People are screaming <laughs> at each other all the time. Well, we got today and, and at the Capitol, we'll have people screaming at each other. And then and, and your networks will broadcast it for hours on end. I just think if people are going to storm the Capitol and push the cops aside and go in and wave Confederate flags, there's some racism out there. I no don't know. How, I don't know what else to tell you. If you're waving, I don't think a I was asking flag, you to tell me that. <laughs> you <laughs> okay? <laughs> That's obvious. <laughs> so you have to do something about it. I don't want to just accept that, but I don't think that having this battle over the national anthem addresses that. It seems tangential at best. Okay, I don't have any problem with that. But if you have a conviction, why did they go away from it? That's what I'm asking. I mean, they had this big conviction in the summer, right? You saw plenty of them. In fact, if you stood, you were the anomaly. That was a, that was a big issue. And, it was and an you issue. made news. Right. We can name the three or four people. Was it Miles Leonard and Jonathan Isaac and Coach Popovich were three that stood off the top of my head? And I'm not sure there was many more. So clearly... The overwhelming sentiment was to kneel, right? And life went on. I watched every game that I could. Certainly watched all the jazz games and all that stuff. And I, I, my, I don't understand if you had that conviction. Whether I agree with your conviction or not, I'm not. That's not the point. You had this strong conviction, and now, what has changed? That you no longer have this conviction. I think they have the conviction. I don't. Well, not, I can't. Well, speak you don't have the conviction right. to kneel. I mean, <clears throat> right? Uh, but at what point is there diminishing returns from that? You know, you get it calls attention to the problem. You feel like it gets results early on, but at some point, that isn't what's getting results anymore. I mean, what results do you want, and what is going to get the results you want? So the give conviction up. You have. I don't think giving up will get the results you want either. You probably need to alter your approach, but. What does that alteration look like? You know, I don't, I don't know that anybody has the answer to that. But I think the NBA's answer is, I don't, even if they don't know what it is, it isn't that. Well, then why was it that in the summer? Different time, different place. You have to announce there's a problem. But at some point, you've announced there's a problem. Now, what are you going to do to solve the problem? Announcing, continuing to, to announce, hey, there's a problem doesn't solve the problem. You have to go do something to solve the problem. I don't think the NBA was announcing that there was a problem, though. I mean, we knew that the there was a problem want, the for players, years. Sure, but the players wanted to, so they worked with them on that. But I think at some point, everyone can agree, there's diminishing returns to that, and it's not solving any of the problems. True. Jazz first-round draft pick Udoka Azubuike left the game on a stretcher at the start of the G League. The uh, Wizards opened their G League yeah. season. And he was stretchered off the floor in the fourth quarter. He went up for a shot, landed on the foot of an opponent, Amari Spellman, of the Erie Bayhawks. He uh-huh. immediately grabbed his right ankle, and they stretchered him off the court. So that doesn't sound good. I was watching the game. It was on NBA TV in the make, middle of the make afternoon. Make you squeamish. It looked that bad. Yeah, it was not pretty. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't sure. You, you rarely. I mean, he's such a large human being to begin with, right? And so... Uh, anytime somebody somehow, if the bigger you are, when that happens, 
it, it makes it look like it's worse uh, than if it was somebody my size. And so, absolutely, yeah, because I wanted to see Childs and, and Toulson play because uh, one's uh, for the Salt Lake team and Childs is for the other team. So, yeah, I was watching that. It, it's tough in those kind of types of games. I don't know what the extent of the injury is as far as how serious it's going to be. What are the long terms? I haven't heard anything. I don't know if you have. I have not. Uh, but uh, They have not it, announced it, anything. I didn't think they had. I was looking before I went to bed. I didn't see anything. The Jazz didn't put anything out that I'm aware of. But those games are sort of hard for big guys. It seems like those things are more oriented towards the guards. NBA progressing on a plan to incorporate the slam dunk competition into halftime of the All-Star Game, March 7th, State Farm Arena in Atlanta. Three-point shootout and skills competition also expected to be part of the Sunday night event. We'll hear more on that. And at some point, I would think in the next week, two at tops, we'll hear about the schedule for the rest of the season because the schedule only goes through early March and then you have the All-Star Game and at some point, they're going to have to put out the second half of the schedule. I suppose they probably want to hold on to that as long as possible to see if there's more games postponed that they want to they want to work into that. Yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to. They can have half-court shots at All-Stars if that's what they want to do, whatever they want to do. I don't have any problem, nor do I really care either way. don't have it. It, it makes zero difference for me. But with the way the Jazz are going, I want some, <laughs> Who they that second That second-half schedule has become... Uh, like the biggest thing. I'm wondering if they should do this uh, every year because it's captured my attention. Keep thinking, when are they going to put this thing out so we can look at it and, and, and examine it? And It's crazy. I never thought I'd be in that position because I'm not a big schedule guy. You're crossing so me I, up right now, i got to admit. I did not see this coming. <laughs> yeah, this is this is not PK's normal. When I reverenced schedule, I thought, oh, boy, I'm going to hear it. I'm thinking they play who they play. But you've got a good point. Well, here's the thing. They don't play the Clippers in the second half of the schedule. Because you only play teams outside yeah. your division in the West three times. You play teams in the East twice, and in this shortened schedule, you're going to play three. Well, the Clippers, three games are scheduled in the first half. So, assuming that these two games you know, are played as scheduled, then they won't play yeah, the Clippers yeah. again. If, if something happens and they can't play one or two of them, then they will be rescheduled. But the Clippers shouldn't be part of that second half. Now, the Lakers should be. There should be two Laker games in there somewhere. And then I'm curious, league-wide, what are they going to do with makeup games? Yeah, I assume they're all going to be plugged into the second-half schedule. But you're right, I'm just assuming that. I don't know and it. And so how but is I, it going to be on where along the trip are they going to do that? Because right. they got, they've got they only got the Washington game, right? Is there others? That the Wizards are the only one they've had postponed so far. Yeah, so how are they going to put that in there? I assume uh, part Or are they going to put it in there? Well, there is that. I assume because it's just one that they'll make that up. The thing is, with the 72-game season, these regional sports networks are counting on getting the full payout. And most of them, I guess, have a clause in it about 70 or 72 games. So they really kind of already decided not to play the ones that don't matter to those sports regional contracts and the big payouts. So, you know, it's not a big deal with the Jazz because right now it's one game. But, you know, there are other teams that have missed more than one game. Exactly. And so I think they've got to work those in. And, you know, are they going to make them play three games in three days or four and five? Because, obviously, they haven't done three in three days since the 99 lockout when they wanted to wedge games in. No, uh, and plus, too, once they come out with the schedule, then we'll have an idea on the postseason schedule, which exactly. is obviously extremely important. And I want to know, when does that begin? I want to start the countdown. 
even though we haven't even gotten to the halfway point, it's what I said yesterday, my body clock tells me we're in the middle of February it's and I need to start thinking about playoffs and all that. Even though they've only played the 25 games, it seems like they've played more for some reason. I guess it's just because all, every year of my life when we got to this point, you're much further along in the season. And I want to see when the playoffs begin. And I'm figuring that we'll have an exact idea, if not certainly a much better, at the minimum, much better idea when the postseason actually starts. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. A light schedule, even though it's a Thursday. Uh, A couple of local games here. You got Utah playing Cal. They're in Berkeley, 4 o'clock, Pac-12 Networks. Uh, Cal's bad. 7-14 overall, 2-12 in league. But one of those two wins is against the Utes. And one of those games where the Utes had a lead and blew it and coulda, woulda, shoulda, and all that stuff. Now, Utah's gotten over 500 overall. They're 8 and 7. They're almost to 500 in the league. They're 5 and 6. So, can they beat Cal today? They got Stanford on the weekend. And, you know, Stanford's decent. Cal's not. So, naturally, they lost to Cal and beat Stanford. Makes no sense, but hey, everything's upside down. What do you want? So, we'll see if the Utes can beat Cal. And then, uh, if they can do that, then worry about sweeping that trip in the Bay Area with Stanford on the weekend. Also, uh, Weber State. Crazy race at the top of the big sky, and they are playing Montana, who is four and six in the league. You got a lot of two lost teams at the top of the big sky right now as a jockey for seeding in the conference tournament. Assuming that happens. Got got any expectations for the Utes? Any hopes for the Utes or just turn the game on and see what happens? Because they're so wildly unpredictable. Oh, I'm certainly expecting them to win today. And then uh, Stanford, they've had guys in and out of the lineup. They've got to go down to Santa Cruz to play, or that's where they've been playing. So that's a screwy situation for them. So um, Stanford's better than Cal record-wise, but they're not uh, unbeatable by any stretch. And so, yeah, I'm expecting the Utes to at least split, if not sweep. If they got swept, then I'm going to throw my hands up (laughs) and give up. Cal's 2-12. It's bad enough they lost here. uh, They've won two in a row and four out of six in Pac-12 play. But after beating Stanford here and then to lose to Cal, that was that was a weird week. Uh, and then any advice here for Utah State and for BYU? Because obviously they both have long layoffs, and you'd like to schedule a game and plug it in. We saw that in football with obviously BYU and Coastal Carolina, and we've seen it in basketball too. But they've both got the NCAA tournament, you know, strength of schedule, net rating, all that stuff to protect. And there aren't that many teams in the West they can play, and some of those teams have games scheduled. So is it worth it to go out and play some team that's, I don't know, four or seven or whatever games under 500? I mean, just playing anybody because you want a game doesn't seem to make a lot of sense given the way the selection committee works. I don't know that anybody is available, so I'd have to see who that anybody is. But you'd be choosy? Uh, I'm, kids like to play. And I wouldn't be that concerned about net rating and this that that's your thing that's not my thing i don't speculate on that if you deserve to get in there's 64 teams that get in 68 68 actually so uh if you if you're one of the better ones you'll get in so that's i don't i'm not a joel and guy i don't look at any of that stuff kids like to play and if you can get a game, go ahead and play the game. If you can't, don't use it as an excuse the next game if you should lose. Be mentally tougher than that. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. 
I cannot take credit for any of this. We have the best coaching staff in the NFL, and we damn sure got the best players in the NFL. And anybody that says running back, all right, that was Kansas City's. We're going for two. All right, we're going for two, and we ain't stopping. We're going to keep this band together, and they know how to win. Bruce Arians as Tampa Bay celebrates their Super Bowl title. The headline seems to be that Tom Brady threw the Lombardi Trophy off a boat to another boat. His teammate Cameron Brate caught it. That was the best catch of my life, Brate said. Unbelievable. Best catch of my life. If I dropped that, I think I would have had to retire. Sounds like one of those Stanley Cup celebrations where they, they all get in the limo and they leave the Stanley Cup on the sidewalk and drive away or they throw it and it ends up at the bottom of a pool. There's all kinds of crazy weird stories about the Stanley Cup. Seems like that's what that boat parade devolved into. Okay. What was that? Bruce Aarons was swearing there? I couldn't figure out what was beeped out. Uh, I don't know exactly what was beeped out. Yach, did you beep it out or did it come in beeped out? I know what he said because of an filtered quote and it's a certain uh, reference to a certain function. Okay then. Well, well, longtime Houston, Texas president James Roots has resigned his position with the team, continuing a massive overhaul inside the franchise. Roots reported he did not like the direction the Texans organization with executive VP Jack Easterby was going. Roots' input on a new GM hire was not valued or counted, prompting him to leave after a 20-year run in Houston. And we we know franchises get messed up, PK, and you can usually see it in the in the win-loss record, and they get down and they stay down. They don't go through the normal cycles we expect. But this is uh, this is a spectacular soap opera here in the Texans front office. What are they doing? And I don't think the Houston Texans have been down that much. They haven't. They know they've been a playoff team right up until. But it's starting with the uh, trade of their star wide receiver, and then the coach is out, and then the quarterback is saying he wants out. The president is resigning. Guys, get it together. But you're right. They weren't coming off a string of 4 and 12s. They hadn't been making playoff runs, but they'd been in. Well, I mean, two years ago, they won 10 games and won their division. Yeah. And this isn't like NBA where winning your division really, who cares? I mean, there's, you take away 2020, which was a screw year. They're 4-12. 2019, I think they won 10. And 2018, I think they won 11. They kept getting quarterbacks hurt at the time of the postseason. So uh, that was that was unfortunate there. But, yeah, this is, this is quite the deal as far as the shakeup goes. Yeah. Four playoff trips for them since uh, 2015, but now shaking everything up. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Ah, the hot stove league. We got to trade PK. The Red Sox moving Andrew Benintendi to the Kansas City Royals. A three-team trade also involved the Mets. He was the final member of the outfield trio that helped Boston win their most recent World Series title. Yeah, left field. Uh, it's really s- remarkable to see the Red Sox go through a rebuilding. Usually these big money franchises that sell out every game, which obviously Boston does and has a great fan base. You don't see that. You see Kansas City doing that on the other end of it. But that's what we've got here with Boston. Nelson Cruz re-ups with the Twins one year, $13 million. Cruz is 40 now, but he's been playing well for the Twins. He Hit 303 with 16 homers and 33 ribbies in 53 games last year, so it's about the most you're going to ask for. Home run every three games or so. So Cruz gets another 13 million and gets another year. I guess at 40, no long-term deals, right? I mean, he's going to be short-term at that point. 
Not unless you're Tom Brady. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Jazz are off tonight, so Joe Ingles is going to join us about uh, a little after 8.30 this morning, probably 8.35, 8.40, somewhere in there. So look forward to the Joe Ingles Show coming up. Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the Jazz, will be here at 9.30 on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. I like myself a good french fry with ketchup and mayo. I'm not talking about fry sauce. I'm talking about real mayo and real ketchup. Is yeah. that fry sauce? Uh, that's kind of what I was Te- thinking. Technically, I'm not it talking is. about spaghetti and meatballs. I'm talking about spaghetti and meat. Balled in- up. <laughs> Europe had it before fry sauce ever showed up. Yeah. Bite your tongue. Fry sauce started here, sir, with yeah. Arctic Circle. We created fry sauce, and we will own that in perpetuity. Oh, different. they did in Europe we, first. It tastes different. Separate than in fry sauce. Next thing you know, Gordon's going to tell us Brigham Young didn't say this is the place, but uh, this is good enough. <laughs> Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7. Presented by Big O' Tires. The team you trust. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Hot Takes and Toast brought to you by Jerry Snyder Cadillac. Check out the new bold lineup at Jerry Snyder Cadillac. It is definitely not your grandpa's Cadillac. All right, we got Joe Ingles coming up about uh, a little more than an hour from now, so stay tuned for that. We've got multiple questions to talk about this morning up on our Facebook page, DJ and PK. ESPN Story says Utah Jazz don't have a true superstar on their roster. But what about Rudy? What about Donovan? Aren't they true superstars? Your reaction. Plenty of you weighing in on this. It's up on Twitter at David DJ James. Also on Facebook, We're taking more than 40 comments overnight. Andrew says, in the day and age with one guy carrying the rest, the Jazz stand out as a solid team. Their style doesn't fit the modern narrative. I think there's some truth to that. What is the modern narrative? Get a star player. Put Chris Middleton and some guys around him who you may or may not be able to name and then let Giannis wow me with his athleticism. Okay, that's for sure. But then if that's the level, then what do we have? Three, maybe four superstars in the league? That is an excellent question. Well done by you. You know, the, and the, the whole TNT, they're, star, they're stars, but they're not superstars. You know, what, what is a superstar? You know, are all winners superstars? Are all superstars winners? I, I don't think they're, it's not the same thing. Like, was Duncan a superstar? Sure. He was a winner, but he was so, he just didn't like the spotlight. He didn't want to be interviewed. He didn't bring what Shaq brought. Now, they just handed the championship back and forth for the better part of a decade. One guy or the other won it, and then the other guy won it, and you know, back and forth they went. So, you know, but one guy wants to be in movies, and another guy just wants to disappear when the final buzzer sounds. Okay, what's that? So, do you have to have some sizzle to be a superstar? No. No. You just got to be one of the guys who's always first team NBA. Before we have a debate on first team NBA, we write your name down. Then we go on and have our debate because we don't debate you. That makes I think the league needs that. It, the league needs characters because this is entertainment. And Shaq, at his core, and still is for that matter, 
an entertainer. You know, his commercials, they usually are some form of lighthearted that make you at least smirk or chuckle, those types of things. He's always been, to one degree or another, some form of an entertainer off the floor and on the floor. He spoke for himself. And so I think the league needs that. It needs people out front. And But you don't need everybody. Now, if everybody was like Duncan with his personality and disposition, that would be bad for the league. It needs quotable dudes. Kobe, I, I had when he was a rookie, so he's like 17, 18 years old. I set it up with uh, Laker PR because I knew them when I used to work down in Los Angeles. And they gave me a one-on-one with him in the locker room, his rookie year, right? And I go in there, and he's sitting on the cement slab, and we sit down. He stands up. He shakes my hand. He greets me, looks me in the eye. I'm double his age, not quite at that time, but he just, you knew, all right, this guy, wow. I mean, I didn't know he was going to grow up or blow up to be that type of player, but I came away thinking, wow, man, this kid is something as far as his ability to speak for himself and articulate himself and and intelligent and all that stuff. And he proved that, right, for better or worse. And he did have the Colorado thing, which obviously was for worse. But the rest of the time, you know, he was a quotable machine and people flocked to him and you could build a league around that type of person. You can't really dunk him off the floor, but... When you're making your point as far as that, you know, there's some validity to it. But Donovan Mitchell, I imagine if I was in L.A. and I had asked the Jazz when Mitchell was a rookie if I could have a one-on-one with him, I probably would have come come away with the same type of impression that I had when I sat down with Kobe Bryant. He shook my hand like a man, and then when we were done with the interview, he stood up and shook my hand again. My guess is Mitchell would have had the same type of impression upon me that I had Kobe Bryant all those years ago. And so uh, that in that regard, man, he fits the superstar bill through and through because this kid, the way he handles himself and the way he talks, I heard you talking about it with uh, Gordon and Jake last night, you know, the quote mature beyond his ears spiel. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's out there, right? He seems like he's an NBA's dream and certainly a Utah Jazz dream. It's like it's, and I use the word dream because sometimes dreams are too good to be true. <laughs> and it seems like he's too good to be true. So he's got all of that, but to be the superstar, you got to win. And I think what's really damaging the Jazz in the debate, which at the end of the day doesn't matter because we're not dealing with a college football or NCAA basketball selection committee here. They'll win, they'll get whatever seating they get, and then they'll have to win four out of seven. So what everybody says doesn't really matter unless, I guess, unless it impacts their mental outlook and expectation for themselves, but I don't think that's happening. We can talk about that with Joe, I guess. They've gone out in the first round the last two years, and it's just hard to be a star in the NBA because so much of your NBA reputation, not all of it, but so much of it rests on the postseason. And it does matter whether you, you know, if you average 35 points a game in the regular season, uh, they're going to look at you different than if you average 22, you know. And if you average over 20 points a game in the NBA, you are a scorer. But even inside that group, you know, there's a group that's more special. And they are the superstars. And so Westbrook gets recognized as a superstar because he averaged a triple-double. 
Now, he hadn't gone very far in the playoffs lots of years either. But the Jazz, combination of being small market and going out in the first round two years in a row, that's why people aren't valuing him as superstars. If Westbrook's a superstar, then Mitchell is. I totally agree. And I, I, I've seen discussions where, is he as good as Russell Westbrook? I'm like, did you see that playoff series? Tell me which guy you'd take. Well, we're Come talking on. about Russell Westbrook now. We're not talking about him when he averages triple-double. We're talking about right, right. now. Right, sure. And but I even think, when he was averaging his triple-double, is it going to lead to winning? I mean, you're the king of yeah, don't the tell me about the stats. Good. Tell me about the winning. I mean, Durant had left, so I didn't. I can't criticize Russell Westbrook for not winning at that point in his career with the Oklahoma City Thunder. The, the team wasn't set up to win at a high level. So I think you have to factor that in. Russell Westbrook had no control over what Kevin Durant did, so I'm going to knock Westbrook because Durant left. Westbrook can only do what he can do. So uh, I have to put that in perspective here. Uh, as far as that goes, uh, so I look at the Jazz right now, and I'm I'm not, I'm not concerned with last year or the year before. None, none of that matters to me. It's right now. Is Mitchell a superstar? And to me, the answer is absolutely yes. Steve says, "Who cares? Let's win a championship first, and worry about the label of a superstar later." Go Jazz! Exclamation yeah, point. but we're in Salt Lake, and we care deeply what people perceive us. We have so many folks. You listen to the broadcast. They're all not worked up, but they're certainly mentioning and want it to happen. Clarkson wins sixth man of the year as that's somehow a crowning achievement. So in our market, we care about that stuff. And Locke, he playing that uh, – promo on whose show i is it uh the midday show with the besties or is it the uh the afternoon show where he's going through and somebody's list is bull bleep because they don't list gobert as an mvp candidate until you get to 20 or whatever it was so and he's saying it so passionately that's our market we care about that stuff. For better or worse, we care about that stuff. Should we care? That's another discussion. Do we care? Resoundingly, yes. <laughs> Overwhelmingly. For decades now. Yeah. Not a new thing. To the point Frank Layden once tried to swat it all down with, we get plenty of individual awards. We get plenty of respect from the league. And then he listed them. You know, MVPs, Executive of the Year, on and on. Well, the franchise as a whole... But individuals may be a little bit slow. I mean, yesterday, I got satellite radio on my phone. I turned it on. I want to see. Hey, Jazz moved to first team to 20 wins, if I'm correct. And they're talking about Derrick Rose coming off the bench. (laughs) You got to be kidding me, man. Nope. It was New York, baby. And Antonio Daniels. And they're spending an inordinate amount of time, and why in the last four and a half minutes of whoever the hell they played, Derrick Rose sat on the bench in his first game, and Daniels was arguing, well, some teams, they don't even let you play until your first practice. And I listened to it for about ten minutes, and then I went click. I'd rather listen to Dr. Laura and these poor, hapless women who call up to get berated by her. I find that highly entertaining. Do you really? Oh, yes. Because no matter what problem you have, she's going to turn it back on you. 
<laughs> which really, and I don't necessarily have any problem, because if you've got a problem, don't look to XYZ to get yourself out of it. Yeah, don't, don't call Dr. Laura. Try to find ways to get out of it yourself. But, oh, yeah. And these people just think that uh, that she's going to solve it, and she comes, uh, you come out of it worse off. Because she just... <laughs> she's gonna- She's going to put you in the ring and beat you up. Wait a right? second. It's a heavyweight he addi- fight. Put your he gloves on. He had an addiction on. problem? Did he have? Oh, I was listening the other day, and uh, she, her husband, or she uh, she was separated, and they, she hated him, blah, blah, blah. And, and the guy, Dr. Laura, well, then don't have any contact. Don't have any contact. Don't have any contact. And then she says, the lady says, after Dr. Laura had said that like five times, the lady says, so, uh... I also work for him part-time. You don't think I should do that then? And it's satellite, so she swears, and it cracks me up. <laughs> yes, it's entertainment. Even this with these sorry problems. I'm telling you, you turn on the radio or television today, it is strictly entertainment. People need to understand that. And maybe we wouldn't get all worked up about all this stuff. Well, they said this. Did you hear what Tucker Carlson said? Did you hear what... Uh, uh, Don Lemon said, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and did you see what paycheck they got? Ka-ching! <laughs> yes. I was, I, was, I was actually, I don't know what I was watching. What was it? I was watching some show, and, and I remember thinking, these people didn't work in local markets to go network and network. It's like, why, why go to a local market? If you want that kind of paycheck, just, just go to New York and L.A. and throw yourself in. They don't get like 10 years of experience. They, they cash in right from the get-go. It's like swimming in different pools. You know, you're not going to work your way up. Go for the gusto. Right. Lecture us and then rip the other side and you're good to go. Steve says, uh, or Dustin says, when the Jazz win a championship, they will be knighted superstars. Until then, these comments and opinions will continue. So the solution is easy. Smiley winking emoji, thumbs up, ring emoji, crown emoji. <laughs> Dustin f- speaks emoji. Formula is easy. Accomplishing that formula is very, very difficult. Ah, two different things. Good point. But even then... Uh, Detroit, when they won their... Uh, I was going right there. I was waiting for Does, does anybody yep. list them as no. a superstar? No. Cha- I mean, Chauncey, you can say, was Chauncey Billups a superstar? I mean, you got no. a network career out of it. There's some sizzle there. But when people talk about all-timers, they just skip right over him. Well, I don't even think he's barely... Even, he would never even be considered to right. be mentioned. Yeah. And I and and you can say, well, you got to back it up, but they had a great run of being in the Eastern Conference Finals. Oh, year after year, yeah. Yeah. And went to two NBA Finals and won one of them. Yeah, I, I don't know that the Jazz are going to – Mitchell's going to get that. Although, I, I think in my mind, I believe he will. Because he that, wants to put himself out That felt like a big, there. big – did you change your mind? Did you reorient yourself there? That's, that was like – you went to, the Jazz won't get it, but he will. I question whether the Jazz as a whole can get it, so that's one thing. But then I look individually at a kid like Mitchell, and Mitchell wants to be out there, right? He's got no problem putting himself out there uh, social media-wise, right? He's an attraction. 
And so anything that's going on, I mean, boom, they had those knuckleheads up there somewhere. We talked about it off the air. Somebody decided they weren't going to have black history. And it was some private school. So we, I oh, saw on social Ogden, media. Yeah. So then we labeled the whole state as racist, mm-hmm. and it was 50 people in Ogden, apparently. I don't know where the school was, but you North just Ogden. said Ogden. Yeah. North Ogden. And then the next day they changed their minds. Yeah. So, But the whole state's racist because it fit the narrative. two handfuls of people decided, hey, wait a second, and then they changed their mind. No, that's not the right idea. So they're, we're all racist, and, and I'm racist. Everyone else is racist. So, uh, and then, but yet he interjected himself immediately as his, as his overwhelming right. I've got zero problem with anything he does that. I support his right 100%. He immediately went to Twitter and commented on that. Well, Mike Conley doesn't do any of that. He may believe or even believe stronger, unless I'm wrong, but I didn't see Mike Conley, boom, getting on Twitter and immediately voicing, this is outrageous. Unless I missed it, I didn't see it. So my point with Mitchell is that he can handle himself on his own two feet very, very well. And and he's charismatic. He is just, he's got it all. And media folk are going to be attracted to that. And he, most importantly, he has the game to back it up. So the Jazz, it's hard to overcome, but Mitchell can do it. Because he is the entire package. He's a sensational ball player. And we're not uh, clutch time. I don't consider hardly any regular season games. I don't care if it's the last five minutes, the last one minute, the last one second. I don't really consider that clutch time. So I don't draw upon statistically what they do in clutch time in the regular season. To me, that's like it's practically incongruent it's got to be in the postseason but when we see him in these games the tighter the better he's not gonna make all of his shots mj didn't make all of his shots uh we know that Uh, but man it seems like this guy rises to the occasion so it's basically if he's not going to be a superstar then who the heck is because he has everything that defines what a superstar is at 24. Now, yeah, he hasn't won big at 24, but outside of three or four players in the history of the game, who's won big at 24? Uh, 24, what, the complete list would be Russell, Magic, Bird, and Duncan. You know, LeBron didn't, MJ didn't. LeBron didn't. At 24, no, he didn't have a title at 24. I didn't Uh, say title, I said one big. uh, So I guess you had to find your, you know, the... 2007, he would have been, uh, it would have been about 24, maybe I'm up by a year. He would have been about 24, he was in an NBA Finals. And they got uh, swept. If you're winning the conference, I mean, I think that's winning mm-hmm. big. Okay, then you can put him on the list. The now, other Steve guys Nash listed, was a friggin' superstar, wasn't he? And he never won the conference. Right, true story. Uh, MVP, multiple MVP, I think. I think yeah. he won two. Yeah, most players, most players that prime is 27 to 32. That's where most of the winning gets done. And there's a hand, a small handful of outliers. Right. So I'm not going to hold him to a standard that <laughs> and as just we just a handful went through of them, dudes have reached. Right. And as we just went through them, uh, they were all 6'9 or, or taller, too. Hey, you're 6 feet and you're 24. Good luck with that. 
When did Isaiah win? How old was he? Was he pushing 30? Uh, yeah, because he won an NCAA title at uh, about 20? 20. Yeah, and that would have been, was that the 80 or 81 title? Somewhere in there, know. I don't know. It was, yeah, it was 80 or 81. It was after Magic. So, yeah, he would have been pushing. He might not have been 30, but he would have been close. Uh-huh. So he's still got a long way to go. Yep. And look at look at him now, man. And I think all of us, no matter what you believe with his political opinions, and I've got no problem with what he wants to voice, I don't think to any degree. Now, that's just my opinion. You could argue with me all you want. It's everyone's, and I'm not going to change your mind, and you're not going to change my mind. But uh, the stuff that he says, and he puts himself out there, combined with this game that, man, man I, he's a must-see as far as I'm concerned. I, I consider myself fortunate that I'm getting to watch him play on my regular TV package, and I don't have to go searching for it. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Joe Ingles is coming up in less than an hour, about 45 minutes or so, right here on 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. David Locke, the play-by-play voice of the Utah Jazz. If we have the best record in the NBA, and we have one player who is statistically more impactful than any other player on our roster, why isn't he talked about as an MVP? We go to the MVP ladder. Number one is LeBron. Fair. Number two is Joel Embiid. Number three is Nikola Jokic. Number four is Kevin Durant. I guess. He's been great. Number five is Kawhi Leonard. Okay, but this is where the bullcrap starts. Six is Young. Seven is Paul George. Eight is Luca. Nine is Steph. Ten is Dame. Eleven is Jason Tatum. Other five more: Bradley Beal, Donovan Mitchell, Demata Sabonis, Kyrie Irving, Jalen Brunson. Watch the beeping game. We have the best record in the NBA. We're just not going to mention Rudy. He's just not going to make the list. Like seriously. Hanson Scotting weekdays from ten to two on ninety-seven five twelve eighty the Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought you in part by Davis Vision. Davis Vision's New Year's special continues through February. Save $1,000 off normal pricing now through the end of the month. Check them out now at davisvisionmd.com. All right, we got multiple questions up on our Facebook page. We're just telling you the one, and we'll get back to it later about jazz and superstars and what about Rudy and Donovan. We got another one up. League Directive says all NBA teams will play our national anthem before games in keeping with policy. Your new thoughts. Are they new thoughts, PK? Or are you just going to get the old thoughts? The reason why I put new thoughts is because I put the question up. We didn't get to it yesterday because the Jazz had the great victory over Boston the night before. But I had put it up uh, earlier in the day when it came to light that the Mavericks weren't playing the national anthem. So there was those comments. And then, as we know, yesterday it changed. They will do it. And Got so it. that's why I use the word new, because people would may have already responded to the fact that they weren't playing. So now that now they are going on. to play, yeah. they may, it may, it may or may not. I, your point being, maybe it didn't change anybody's mind as far as your, your thoughts when you first heard that they weren't going to play it. And now that they are going to play it, for some folks, the opinion that they had before might be still the same opinion that they have now. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Greg Post, can we please just talk sports? I think this thread is becoming more political talk rather than sports. Greg, we will get back to sports in the next segment, but we're going to give this one segment. It seems like too big a story not to acknowledge it at all. But I totally agree with that. Let's, let's hit it for a segment, and then we'll get back to the jazz, and, and then Joe Ingles will come over and come and take over, and it will be his show, and we will react accordingly. 
Rick says, does anyone know his reasoning not to play the national anthem? Yes, he didn't have any comment for uh, quite a while, at least by modern the speed of modern communications. I guess it was only a couple days. But he said he has no problem with the anthem, but he knows that the I don't know if he said players, but I assume that's, I mean, it could be some people who work in the front office too, but I, I assume largely we, we default to players, that the players feel it doesn't represent them. You know, that the system isn't set up to represent them. Primarily policing, I would think, but other issues too. Education has certainly come up multiple times in this yeah. uh, national debate. All very important. Right. Uh, so that's his reasoning. You know, there are a lot of people who are upset by it. He doesn't feel like it represents them. Uh, there are people who think, uh, you know, you got, it's patriotism. It's the way we do things. And there's multiple people who posted, you know, keep doing it. But then we have one from Darren that says, I'm a veteran. And I think it's silly to play it before every game. Uh, yeah. Okay, fine. I mean, yeah, that's your opinion. So be it. Uh, to me, I like what Cuban said in that there's folks who don't think that it represents them. And that bothers me. That hurts me. Not that he's saying it, but that there's folks who don't think that this country and its foundation allows you the opportunity to go for that proverbial American dream. And that's where I think that we should have been able to have, and hopefully we can have discussions. And it's unfortunate for me, this is my thought, and you can disagree or whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to try to convince anybody of anything. I've learned long ago that who, who even knows if I'm right? Uh, I'm not even claiming I'm right. Uh, but that's where I think that the Kaepernick thing was unfortunate because it became yep. such a hot-button topic about patriotism. Now, for me, it is a way to honor the those who have served in the military because i've said repeatedly i didn't serve in the military and i haven't done a damn thing for all the freedom that i have i don't even deserve it for all the mistakes i've made in my life but yet i have it so that's a way for me to honor people and if you don't want to honor people that's your call Uh, i would like discussion as to you know you brought up education and uh, back in not not here in utah but now we're going back 30 years now it's outrageous to think it's that long but I covered my high school assignment where was South Central. So, you know, I've spoken how I've been to Dorsey and Crenshaw and Manual Arts and all those places. And my wife taught at Washington, which was right there. And she taught there for a decade. And, you know, we saw the issues that confronted people who lived in those communities. And they're real, real hardcore issues. And putting a sign in your yard is going to do nothing. Kenny Smith walking off that night on TNT, that does nothing. That's all symbolic, and symbolic is good, but it's got to be more. And so I would love to see real discussion. How can we get in those communities and help folks with better education and the opportunities? Because that's the way you're going to improve the quality of your life, unless you should be fortunate enough to be born into money, which I was not, and you can have that opportunity. I got out through education. And that helped greatly. And how can we help people to improve their situation? So I think there's a lot of good if we take the opportunity to allow this to be good to, that can come out of it. Stop with the lecturing. The lecturing is just, and the emotional stuff, it gets you nowhere. And believe me, I speak from experience a thousand times over with the screaming and yelling and emotional stuff. And I've made so many mistakes in that way. So I'm pointing zero fingers. But 
open our minds to another point of view. Let's not have if somebody puts something out there, you respond with, well, my day is ruined. And people who go to private school their whole lives, it just seems like there's a group of, uh, of people that want to lecture us and they've been born on third base. And it's almost like it's guilt that they want to lecture us on how another group should be when we really have no idea about that other group. How can we help whatever group that is? And it's not just African-Americans. I happen to have a soft spot for Hispanic people for, you know, obvious reasons. I do. And the struggles (laughs) that they go through. All of us. All of us. Well, and you've talked about uh, Native Americans. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, such a tragedy. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, you can go on and on. I've, I've heard about stuff. Because of a friend I've worked with, and uh, and she married a uh, a poly guy, and the stuff he's had to listen to in his own neighborhood, and she's told me, and I've known her for long, I've known her literally for decades, and like when she tells me with that look on her face, she's telling me the truth, you know, and and stuff people say in the neighborhood is just so wrong, and you know they're now I know people now, and I've heard their stories, and you know I've heard some of them from you, but I know people who are raising kids of different races, you know, and. Uh, Hispanic or African-American in three different states, in uh, my family, my wife's family, uh, and, and through you, in Utah and Arizona, or excuse me, not Arizona, you got, you got Arizona in my brain just because it's you. Start again. Utah, California, and Hawaii. And the stories are remarkably similar. And some of them are horrifying. And obviously not all of them are. Not everybody says and does those things. But enough people say and do those things and you see the impact it has on the kids and thank goodness in one case the kid was young enough that it just went flying over their head and they had no idea and i'd like to think that that didn't have an impact but i don't know why people feel they need to talk to an 18 month old in a grocery store like that i mean what are you doing what are you doing you know looking at my sister-in-law saying why don't you stick with your own kind what what the 18-month-old is sitting in the basket. They're not running around the store. They're sitting in the basket getting pushed around the store. Why do you need to do that? So there is a strain out there, and a lot of us don't see it for a long time. I couldn't have guessed or predicted that conversation until I was told it. So, and, and that's out there, and it's this undercurrent running through everything, schools and work and voting and police, and I mean, we can go on down the line, you know, 50 different things. And so somebody who experiences that, Especially when it gets into the whole law enforcement angle, not just policing, but the whole legal system. And if you're convicted unfairly, and you see these news organizations run these stories with people who've been released. And, and you see some of the stories about how they got convicted. You're like, oh, well, no wonder they think what they think. I mean, if you've been locked up for years or in some cases decades or it's your family member or your friend. I, I forgot to tell you about this, PK, because it happened over a weekend and but there's a real interesting piece. You know, Bryant Gumbel does that real sports show on HBO. I know uh-huh. not yeah. everybody has access to it. But if you sure. can find it online or something, it was so interesting. And for those of you who hate the politics and the sports and all that, it's like the one time you should give it a break and just do it. And, you know, maybe not on Friday night when you have fun, but, but you ought to watch it. The coach of the Minnesota North High School football team, they do a long thing with him. An African-American guy who's a cop whose dad is a cop and is now a commander. I mean, he's way up in the, in the Minneapolis uh, police force. I mean, they're showing him in a command thing, you know, and he's in his uniform and it's polished and there's awards and 
brass and buttons all over. I mean, his dad's a big shot. And he's surrounded by all these screens and video and everything, you know, and they interview him. But it was so interesting, their view of what happened in Minnesota. It doesn't fit the simple narrative that we've all heard tossed around. And there's two or three simple ones. But it was so, you would love it because it's thought-provoking. And because this guy, how he was viewed as a police officer working in a school, which has been a big issue, what he thought actually happened with him as a police officer in a school, they interviewed his players, what happened when he was deployed the night of all the, the, the biggest night of all the rioting there? He went into that. The fact that, you know, it all stems from the death of George Floyd. Well, he knew both guys. He was a cop who served with that cop, and he had known George Floyd for 20 years. And it was so interesting because I felt like it really peeled back a lot of the easy stereotype and the easy yelling, like, what is it like for this guy to do this job and live in this neighborhood? And I could sit here and try to explain it, and I couldn't. I I would fail at capturing all the emotion that came across in that interview, but it was it was really well done, and the guy's really interesting. And there was plenty of sports in it. There was plenty of stuff about the football team and the bonds that got built, and they went into that too. So it's a good piece if you see it out there. All right, I don't think we solved anything, but there you go. <laughs> Hopefully it gives you something to think about. We were never going to solve it in one radio segment anyway, right? Um, oh, we got, thousand of them we got everything from uh, anti-American to good for them. Uh, do, you, do you think the anthem, this was an interesting one, I entered this one. Jared, do you think the anthem would take on more meaning if it were played less for more special occasions? Um, so you can go to our Facebook page and, and read all of these. I, I thought it was a pretty good thread here. I didn't think there was as much yelling as hollering. Uh, pointlessly, as I expected when I saw the question. Um, I thought it was pretty good by our listeners right there. All right, DJ and PK, if you're just hopping on board, jazz, superstars. How come they're not getting more, uh, more pub? We will get to that next, and then Joe Ingles is here in half an hour. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're brought to you in part by Mika to Couture, and the best blanket ever is also the best gift for Valentine's Day. Get 30% off right now. On any regularly priced blankets with the code word WELCOME30 at MinkyCouture.com. Take care of that Valentine's gift today by visiting a location near you in Ogden, Layton, Draper, Orm, Sugar House, or St. George. That's Minky Couture and Valentine's Day. Check them out at MinkyCouture.com. All right, we've got uh, a lot of people weighing in here, PK. It is, it is alive on Twitter now. We started a couple segments ago with the discussion from the comments that got posted overnight on Facebook. Uh, the, the Jazz, ESPN has a story on him saying the Jazz don't have a true superstar on his roster. What about Rudy? What about Donovan? Aren't they true superstars? And Jonathan Taverneri, the former Cougar who's been on our show, sat in our studio, back when that was the thing and you could sit in our studio, uh, he says, no, they're not. Donovan and Rudy made the All-Star game once. Donovan is certainly on his way there. I do agree Rudy, Rudy's not appreciated enough. The Jazz in first place running the table for the first time in forever. you got to win something before wanting to be crowned. Well, what is something? He does not explain. He puts something in all caps. Has Damon Lillard won something? Hmm. Uh, you know, earlier in the show you were saying getting to the conference championship is an accomplishment, and he has mm-hmm. done that. They got routed. Well, when they I got actually to the said winning the con. I meant winning. I oh, just, winning, not getting. As okay. I was making that point, I realized, well, wait a second, Steve Nash never did. My original thought when it was coming out of my mouth, is if you win, because we're talking about LeBron, and if you win your conference, to me, that's winning something. But as I was saying that, I realized, hey, wait a second, Steve Nash, Nash did never did. Yeah. But yet, I, I view Nash 
as a Hall of Famer and a superstar okay. when he was in his prime. He might not have been in his prime as long as, say, somebody like Stockton, debatable, but nevertheless, but Nash's top of greatness game. was great. Yeah, at the very top of his game, he was awesome, and he changed, he changed the way the game is played, and the game has changed again since then to the point that he's even commented, well, if I'd have known, <laughs> I'd have launched three-pointers. <laughs> oh, for sure. All those guys right. would have. But it wasn't, that wasn't, they, we hadn't morphed no. that far yet. We were morphing. The game was, he played the game differently than Stockton. The game was evolving. And, oh, no question. But it has continued to evolve past Nash. Uh, I think the thing with the superstars and winning the conference, the thing that's so unfair here is the conferences aren't close. You know, you get to you get to baseball True. or to football and the American League National League, the AFC and the NFC, they certainly get out of whack. They don't tend to stay out of whack. And even if one conference isn't as deep, the team at the top is good enough. But we have seen the East has basically been LeBron and and briefly Kawhi, but it's basically been a vast wasteland. And it's no different this year. It's not getting better. We're past the it's a cycle thing. And I'm I'm totally on board with the cycles thing, and it happens. But this, is, this has been too long. This is like a team getting down for a decade. You know, the East has been LeBron, and what? It's been LeBron. And now that he and Kawhi have gone West, I mean, Kawhi was only in the East one year, what do they got? I mean, the Nets are 15 and 12, and they're third out of 15 teams. They're only three games over. It's not that hard to come out of the East. There are going to be teams in the West that have very difficult first round matchups and have, I mean, the three, it's easy to argue right now. The three best teams in the league are in the West, and one of them's going out in the second round. One of them has to go out in the second round Jazz Lakers, Clippers. And when you go out in the second round, that doesn't sound like a deep playoff run, that doesn't sound special. But we saw it, and this has been going on for a long time, because Shaq and Duncan, who traded the title for almost a decade, they met in a second-round playoff series. And you just you don't get that in the East. I would disagree uh, as far as a superstar. We're talking about superstar. We're not talking about quality of teams in each conference. That I don't have any debate but, there. But when you we're have superstars, superstars, don't you have quality of teams? I mean, you were the one who was just telling us, and, I, and we got to repeat it because I know you know different people pop into the show at different times, but National Satellite Radio doesn't do 10 minutes on the Jazz. They're doing, they're doing 10 minutes on the Knicks bench. Well, the Knicks are four games under 500. Why okay, do we have to talk the about the time I listened bench? to it. Hopefully they got around to it, but the time I listened to it, I was disappointed uh, about it. But I still think that... Uh, go back, the teams have come out of the East. Was there a superstar on that team? Is Jimmy and Butler you, a superstar? Let's just go to last year. He's a very yes. good player. Yeah, I think he is. Maybe I have a more liberal definition of superstar. But yes, I do. Well, I think he's one heck of a, a player. Now, this year, their lineup has been in and out. With I mean, he's been in and issues. out. Yeah, he's right. had issues. Right, so I can't. I can't point to this year. I know the Jazz play them uh, on Saturday. I think if they've got their guys, and I don't know if they're going to have their guys, I think if they got their guys, they're a really good team. But, yes, I think he's, he's one of these superstars in the diversity of his game. He's not simply a scorer. I mean, he's a do-it-all. He's a two-way player. And I think we look at scoring averages and we look at the traditional statistics. I would say most of the teams that have come out of the East, they do have a superstar. And before we say that the West is all that, I mean, LeBron, when he's healthy, he's one for one. Yep. And so who's to say, 
well, wait a second here. We may be pumping up the West all we want, but yet it's LeBron, LeBron, and LeBron, just like he did in the East. <laughs> sure, but when he was in the East, he lost to teams in the West. I mean, he lost to the Mavericks, he lost to the Spurs, he lost to the Warriors multiple times. So even when he was in the East and he was the best, there were teams in the West that could take him out. But he's still a superstar. My well, point is, if you come I mean, out of the... I think if you get to the finals, you most likely have a superstar on your team. Now, I agree with you. The West is tougher. That's, that is just 100%. Everybody agrees right. with you down there. And so the point being, you can be a superstar and not come out of the West yes. because it's so much tougher. Exactly. That's the thing that I would say. But I think that if you're coming, if you're getting to the finals, it is an accomplishment irregardless of the conference. Yes, it's easier over here than it is there. So rather than penalize the guys who are coming out of it by saying, oh, it's so easy, I prefer not to penalize the guys who didn't come out of it out of the West because it is harder. And that brings up the question, are these guys getting penalized because the West is better? I think that they'd get more slack if they just won a couple of playoff series. I mean, this literally came up on part of the interruption yesterday, and Kornheiser went right to, I, I like them more, I'm more interested in them, I like them, and I think they're better, and i got a higher opinion of them now than I did a year or two ago, but they've gone out in the first round two years ago, two years in a row. You know, it's the NBA, you got to win in the playoffs. You do. Yeah, so, you do, I agree. You know, that's part of the reason that their superstardom is, is limited. Uh, but, you okay, know, it's interesting sure, because yeah. the second half of the schedule hasn't come out this year. Neither is the second half of the national TV schedule. It'll be interesting to see how many national TV games they get in the second half now. I would think that number's about to go way up. You know, uh-huh. they, got, they got a couple TNT games here in the first half, but I think there's more coming in the second half. But we'll see. That you know, could be wrong. We'll know in a couple weeks. All right, DJ and PK, Joe Ingles is coming up. Stay with us. He's about 20 minutes away. Join the big show Friday from 2 to 6 at the Warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West in Salt Lake City. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you got to vary up your boom. You can't have the same inflection on every boom, or it loses the boom, loses its effect. Okay. Everybody knows that. Uh, question of the morning, ESPN Story says Utah Jazz don't have a true superstar on the roster, but what about Rudy? What about Donovan? Aren't they true superstars? And Robert says, yes, they are. Simple as that. End of argument. There Good it night. is. See you there it is. Boom. There it is. Logan says the only one I can think of currently is Giannis. Donovan and Rudy are stars, but not superstars yet. Giannis whoa, whoa, whoa. is a superstar, and LeBron isn't the only one you can think of. Yeah, okay, I would argue yeah. that the only true superstar in the league Hold is on. LeBron. <laughs> yeah, and that the other guys are stars. Full stop. But if if that's where you want to draw the line, and I mean superstars is this muddy thing. So you you, you love this PK because you love a good jersey debate, and superstars is something you can stretch and massage, or you can push it together in a climb, and it's silly putty. <laughs> it is silly, buddy. Certainly city, silly. But, but LeBron, the multiple titles and the personality. Kawhi's got the titles, but he doesn't have the personality. He's he's a Latter-day Duncan, and maybe it's... Ooh, you made me nervous there with that Latter-day. I thought, wait a second, I had no idea. Where are we going? <laughs> San Bernardino, obviously. Mormons? I mean, I never knew Mark Pope was until he came to BYU. <laughs> San Bernardino, You mean to baby. tell me that... <laughs> Maybe it's because he played alongside him. Like this really is, is Snoop the way to also do it. too. I'd heard Snoop was interested. 
There's allegedly is that a true? photo of him reading that blue book. But Is it really? Th- did that actually happen? <laughs> Butterfly, shiny thing. <laughs> Steve or, uh, Martin, I'd heard that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now back to our original topic. Now Gladys Knight. Now that's been confirmed, right? Yes, she is a very active member of the faith. She took that midnight train to Salt Lake. Even though she doesn't live in Salt Lake, but yes, that's why she took the train. Train up from Vegas. Yeah, but don't eventually don't you all come here? Has anybody ever trained to Vegas? Must be able to Amtrak to Vegas. I've trained in Vegas. And you fly. I don't know. Is there a rail line that runs down that way? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. You see it when you're driving into Vegas, north of Vegas. I just wonder where you'd have to connect out of here. Maybe in Helper where they have that junction. Well, uh, the only thing I know about Helper is I need to help him, too. Help the helper, baby. <laughs> this PK's, PK's lost interest and everything. I hit my main points. They said what I wanted to say this morning. Let's just screw around. You've got to help the helper. you got to do your homework early and help the do helper. Do your homework early, help the helper, and by all means, pick the picker. <laughs> well, sometimes you just get so irate that you have to hack the hacker. Fair point. Don't you agree? Brett says, all-star, yes, but not a superstar yet. Once I see them in national commercials and more in the mainstream, I'll change my view. <laughs> national commercials. <laughs> Clint now, says... Malone made plenty of national commercials, didn't he? Yeah, actually, Carl did. Carl did have some stuff going on. Stockton could have, but I don't think he wanted to. Yeah. Yeah. One word to him. As his personality, so be it. I mean... Yep. I've got no problem with that. Be true to who you are. Just don't don't be a phony. Don't be one way to one group and another group to another way to the another group. That's what always bugged me about some people that will go unnamed who were successful coaches up in the hill. But I, no, I won't name them. And so that don't do that. Be the same dude all the time, and whatever that dude is, so be it. You know, like Kalani. He's going to give you a full hug, no matter who you are. <laughs> <laughs> True story. Run around right? hugging people after practice. He's going to love you, oh, yeah, no matter I think, what. I think I think the pandemic's been hard on Kalani. He's he's so social. Yeah, <laughs> that guy's so social. I mean, it, it bugs everybody, but I think the more social you are, then the more limitations you have on you. And and I mean, honestly. And you have that great story from <laughs> almost 20 years ago now about where should the media stand at practice? And the assistant coach said, I don't care. Just get him out of the middle of my drill. After that, what do I care? Stand over there, stand under the tree, stand under the deck. I don't care. Whereas with Kalani, I think legitimately, he looks over to the end of practice like, sweet, I get to talk to so-and-so. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, And he's done it so often that I, I honestly think that's part of it. And it, it makes him a rarity among college football coaches. But I think he does, you know. There, there are places I've seen him where I didn't know he was there and he could have easily ignored me. I was at a high school football game, and he was kind of behind me and down the sideline. I didn't know he was there. And he came walking up, hey, and it turned around. It was Kalani. And, yeah. and he talks for like 15 minutes. And, and he doesn't just tell you stuff. He asks you stuff too, you know. He's interviewing you all the time. I hope he wins big every freaking year. I realize <laughs> you're not supposed to say that. <laughs> But I don't care. I, I don't know. care anymore. I know. 
And, and the funny thing is that then people think, oh, you're a BYU homer. You're like, you realize if he wins big, other people are going to be trying to pay him a lot of money to leave. And maybe he'll be Lavelle and he'll stay, but, man, it's hard to tell people they how to turn that money down. It's easy, to, it's easy to help other people turn the money down. I'll give down. you the true test for me. He could freaking go to Tucson, and I would You'd root, root for him. You'd root for him at the University of Arizona. There Yikes. Is no question I would root for him. Yes, I would. All right, DJ and PK, we got to take a break because Joe Ingles is coming up next. Stay with us. DJ and PK reminding you Valentine's Day is Sunday and flowers make the perfect gift. Jimmy's Flowers, a longtime partner with The Zone, can make it easy. Just visit them at jimmysflowers.com. Remember, Valentine's Day is on Sunday this year. Jimmy's Flowers will be closed on Sunday. So make your arrangements today, tomorrow, or Saturday. Those are your options. That's what we're down to. Uh, Jimmy's Flowers. Visit them at jimmysflowers.com. All right, Joe Ingles is going to join us uh, momentarily. We're still getting a lot of feedback, PK, about uh, stars, superstars. Why don't the Jazz have them? And uh, people all over the map on this. Uh, S-Max, Scorpdaddio54, who tweets at us quite a bit and is a longtime listener, says, you know, I couldn't care less what ESPN says about anything, so... And you know, Scorpdaddio, you are certainly, there's a lot of jazz fans in line with you, but man, you ought, you ought to see our social media and the things that get said to us as we, you know, walk around town less because we interact with people less, but you still hear it. There are a lot of people who care about this stuff, PK. I remember people who are outraged because of what Shaq thinks, um... Really high. And then the number of people who are interested Tuesday, well, Dwayne Wade said to Shaq, hey, you know, it carries more weight because they're teammates and, and they've got a relationship and a friendship. But Dwayne Wade has got a friendship and relationship with Donovan, too. And so he's got a slightly different take, and people definitely care what those guys think. Yeah, I would hope, though, when you're analyzing players, that friendships don't matter as much and it would go on what you believe the player deserves sure. as far as credit and all that stuff as opposed to friendships. Yep. All right, DJ and PK, it is time to welcome in the man, the myth. It's time for Joe Ingles. Hey, yeah! This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush! And it's time to hear from the best-looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz, Jingle Bells! Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show (laughs) with DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. The Joe Ingles Show with DJ and PK is brought to you by Cypress Credit Union, proudly serving their members and community for over 90 years. Cypress Credit Union, your future is our future. Joe, good morning. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Joe. <laughs> I, I'm curious about many things, but I guess first off, I'm wondering, uh, as we all try to imagine, what it's like to be you. Fabulous. It must be great to be you. I'm curious what it is like, what emotion you're feeling with all this winning piling up. Some people feel like winning creates pressure because it creates expectations. Other people think winning is just fun. This is a blast. Other people uh, have other reactions and emotions. I could list a bunch of them. What, what are you feeling now as the wins pile up? What is your individual mood and, and the team mood uh, You know, when you're in a locker room before or after a game? Um, after the game, it's to get home as quick as possible and get to sleep because I'll be up at 6.30 the next morning to get the kids up. Um, pre-game is 
very much the same. I mean, honestly, it's. I think everyone's kind of spoken about it a little bit in in media and post game, pre game, whatever interviews we do. Um, but it's just a. I mean, obviously, winning is is great. We'd rather be twenty and five than five and twenty. But um, just the just the, I guess not being satisfied with with a win or granted we've had a few in a row or, or whatever the streaks have been. Um, just not being satisfied with it because it's. I mean, you guys have watched. How old? Ninety eight and ninety nine. You, mm-hmm. you guys are. Um, you guys have watched for a long time, and I mean, even for me, seven years now, it's been a, not a lot more losing, but when, there was a, there was a lot of losing for a long time, and to, to turn that around and, and be where we're at now, um, it's, it's obviously taken time and it's been a process, but um, just not to be satisfied with that because we we want to keep. Keep getting better um, every game, as you guys know, and, and knowing coach pretty well. We we can find some things usually every game that we're we're not very good at or that we haven't done well that game. And coach will show them to us and, and be honest about stuff with us. And and I think it's a the, the best process for us to, to keep keep winning and, and I guess staying focused on winning and um, kind of not getting ahead of ourselves. And we we get total. We went on that streak and everyone was. You can read stuff about people saying the schedule wasn't that tough, and, and obviously now we've got some some of the top teams in the conferences, and so we just stay focused on that that one game at a time, and um, yeah, just keep getting better each game, um, and I think we've been able to do that. And that's not easy to do, to stay focused like you're speaking of, and you acknowledge that, hey, you did hear, well, you weren't playing some of the top teams, and now going forward you have a pretty good stretch with starting with Milwaukee, obviously, and the Clippers a couple of times, the Lakers, the Sixers. So how do you approach that on the other end to try to stay focused and not think, oh, man, we've got this set of games that we come out of here, we can really just shut up everybody that we're really that good. Yeah, I mean, it, it honestly doesn't, from our standpoint, obviously, as, as players and coaches and the guys that are um, kind of in that inner sanctum, so to say, like we, we honestly don't, we don't sit in the locker room and talk about the next five games or who we're playing or if player X has been playing really well leading up to our game or whatever it is. It's just a, it's kind of like a really locked in feeling of like, guy, like we, we know what we need to do as the jazz to, to play well. And obviously if we play the style and the way we want to play as the jazz, we feel like we can um, obviously compete and beat any team that's, that, that comes to Utah or that, that we go and visit. So um, there's obviously adjustments and game plans and stuff like that that, that comes with every game, but um, the, the, the style and the, the way we want to play, we feel like well, obviously we can we can match it with with and beat anyone that's, that's in the league. So um, these will be great challenges. I mean, we're, everyone everyone looks at the schedule at some point and you look at it like yeah, you know the the teams that are coming in and. Um, yeah, you just obviously the the first one comes up, and you you focus on that and figure out the best best thing and and the best way we need to play to to be able to win that one. And like I said, go home and get some rest and and come back the next day and, and do it again for for whoever's coming up next. So um, it's kind of a I guess more of a short term approach than than long. But we also know 
flip side of that, winning ten in a row or, or losing three in a row, whatever you can do in this this league, um, you've got to be kind of short-minded because you you are you either have another game the next day and you need to back it up with a another good performance or you just got smacked or whatever and you, you need to fix it before in, in 24 hours before the next game. So um, we've, we've got a great group that, that, that stays focused on that and, and obviously a, a great coaching staff that helps with that. You know, staying focused on that, it's an easy thing to say. It's a, it's a really hard thing to do because you talk about those jazz teams in the 90s and there's like a five-year run where they probably won 73 74% of the games. It was it was crazy how much they won. And of the games they lost, a lot of those they lost because just the the boredom, the routine of it all, you know, the trout. They didn't lose because of talent. They didn't lose because they weren't good enough. They yeah. lost because they lost track of the details and just the mind-numbing slew of games you have to play. And I'm curious because Quinn's asking you to do a hard thing, <clears throat> but you're really good at it. And so it comes down to can you stay focused and, and sustain it? And that is... Pushing the ball and taking the quick three. It's a lot of energy. It's more trips up and down the court in the course of the game. It's easy to turn and jog down court, but you can't. You got to <laughs> run, you know? And, and you're big guys. That, I mean, people underestimate how hard it is for a 6'9 or a 7 foot guy to change ends of the floor that many times at that top speed. When did you really get dedicated to it? When did Quinn pitch you on it and you really bought in and thought, he's right, this will work. We can really. We can really beat teams doing this. We can beat a lot of teams. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the uh, most common theme clip that I'm in, um, not sprinting up the court either way. Um, my top speed maxes out pretty low. So, um, I mean, it's. I mean, I mean, you guys know, and, and obviously kind of the, the fans that have been really locked in for, for the last seven years with, with Quinn. Like we, we haven't played this way since I've been here. Six years this is the seventh for me, so the first time really. Obviously, the defensive end is is pretty similar. We, we know what's successful for us um, on, on that end of the floor, um, but but we haven't shot and played the, the I guess like you said the speed, the pace, mm-hmm. the quick shots, um, and then on the to kind of add on to that the offensive rebound. We haven't haven't attacked the glass like that since, since I've been here too. So I think. Like every now and then, you'd see in the past, like someone would sneak in there and and maybe get an offensive rebound. Obviously, Rudy and Fave and the, the bigs that have been here, have, you obviously kind of um, rely on getting a couple just because they're down in the paint a lot. But I mean, Royce crashes every time. Donovan's getting in there. Like Mike gets in there if he takes a shot in the paint, it's a, a good chance for him to try and sneak one if he if he misses it. And, um, I think when we first were sitting there talking about kind of in preseason how we wanted to play and what they thought was successful and or would be successful. Not not that anyone doubted it, but it was like, yeah, it's going to... Like, uh, me and Rudy uh, have been here the whole time. It's just a, a different way, obviously, to, to think about how we're playing. Like, I now it's natural, almost. Like, I, I know if I can get out and run to the corner, there's a really good chance Donovan's going to be able to break the pain and I'm going to get a wide open three. And if it's 20 on the clock or two on the clock, Quinn wants me to, to shoot it, which is an awesome feeling, obviously, as a player, for, for everyone to know that your coach and, and the whole coaching staff is like almost yelling, like, shoot it, as the ball's coming to you because they, they have so much belief in, in that style and obviously the, the players we have out there to, to shoot the ball. And 
Um, I mean, there's. I think it happened last game, but I, I know it's happened this year. We have three, four offensive rebounds in a row, and I think we shoot. We've shot threes on every time we've got. Like we've Rudy's got it kicked it out. I've shot it. I've missed it. Royce gets it, kicks out. Donovan shoots it. Someone else misses and rebounds it. Throws it to Boyan and he hits it. And we, we haven't played that way. And everybody's bought into it. And obviously, with our record now and and what we do on the defensive end, it's obviously a. It gets us more possessions and more possessions to shoot threes, and, and obviously threes are a, a good thing in the NBA when you've got whatever five, six guys that shoot at a high percentage. So, um, I mean, it's hard. It's like you said. Sorry for the long-winded answer, but it's like you said. Like it, it's a dedication and a hard way to play. Like to, to sprint up and down the floor that often, um, and. To, like to shoot the three, and then if if I shoot from the corner in front of the bench, I've got to sprint all the way back to the opposite corner to pick up Jalen Brown or, or whatever the matchup is. So um, it's a commitment from our team, and, and we've made that commitment, and I think we've done a, a really good job of it so far. But we're what one third of the way through the year, so we, we've we've got to keep it up. But uh, yeah, if it's if it's working, we're obviously going to keep doing it. So you cracked me up on Sunday when you laughed at Donovan for not getting that rebound and not getting that triple-double. So I was laughing at you laughing at Donovan. And my thought for you as I saw that was, okay, you guys are starting to win. You got, you've got tied the franchise record for best starts. All sorts of publicity is going to come your way. How as important is it now as the pressure ramps up to make sure you guys have these fun, lighthearted moments? Yeah, I mean, I think, honestly, win, win, lose, I think we've done a, a pretty good job. And obviously, coach is a big part of that, of of really just kind of staying the course of, like, my first year winning 20 games or, or this year winning 20 already. Um, that, like, kind of, like, long process. But, but we have to enjoy it. I mean, it's, uh, I've said, I think, in every post-game interview I've had this year, how good a group of guys we've got and not just like good guys that do the right, like, but, but fun guys. Like we, we really enjoy each other's company. It's why JC was so quick to come back. It's why Faye wanted to come back. Um, we, we've got so, like, it's, it's, and it's, I know fans, like I, I've read tweets before, like, man, you guys just look like you have so much fun together. Like, uh, and it, I think, I think a lot of teams can look like that. Like you can look like you enjoy your teammate. Like, playing well together and smiling and whatever, but we actually genuinely, like, our locker room is hilarious. Our plane rides are hilarious. Like, we have such different personalities and guys and everyone legitimately from 1 to 18 or how many players are on a roster now gets along really well. Like, it's such a it's such a fun group to be around and, and things happen on the court that are funny and that are, that are fun. And, it, like, I mean, it's... It would have been great for Donovan to get a triple-double, but it's also hilarious that he missed the by one rebound. Like, <laughs> just, like, just go and get one more rebound. Like, it's not that hard. Um, so, it's yeah, I mean, we, we really enjoy our time together. And honestly, I think uh, I, I'm i a big believer that that pay, plays a big part in, in your chemistry and the way you play on court. We've had it with the Australian team for since 2007 when I first made the team, like, when you have such a good dude, group of guys that enjoy each other's company and have one common goal of, of trying to trying to win, um, it, it makes it very fun. And I mean, when Shaq makes comments like that, and Donovan's first response is that he hates that it's taken away from a good win from our team. Like, 
he didn't address the comments. He addressed that he wanted it to be about our group. Um, that that's pretty special to me. So um, yeah, we have, we have a we have a lot of fun. It's it's good times. So uh, I'm curious, you know, people wonder about the day-in and day-out life of an NBA player. And certainly we all watched that Sunday game with the Pacers, and you guys are really dragging. It was the third game in less than 72 hours and all that. And I'm wondering uh, what, when you see the schedule and you realize I have a day where I don't play a game and I don't fly, like how much energy do you get back when you have one day like that, or now you're going through the stretch where you have a couple days where you're not flying or playing? How much does that you know re-energize you? Because obviously you don't always you're not always dragging like you were that day in Indiana, and and we talked about how you found a way to win a different way, which is really important. But how long before you really get the energy back, and what does one day mean without a plane flight or a game? Yeah, I mean it's actually just said to Renee this morning, I was like, it's really bizarre that we're not playing tonight. Like, we haven't really had this kind of stretch. And it's obviously only two days or whatever it is, but um, just bizarre. Like, in my mind, I was, like, waking up this morning thinking we were playing just because that's typically how the schedule goes. And um, it is nice. I, I think it just gives you an extra day for, for everything to, obviously, like, for me and Renee and, and our family to, to have another day where I get to put the kids to bed and have dinner with them and, and that kind of stuff is is obviously really like stuff that I really enjoy doing. So to to be able to to be able to sit there and um, give Miller and, and Jacob and Jack a kiss good night at actually their bedtime and not at three o'clock in the afternoon before going to a game. Um, it is something that I, I really enjoy. So that, that part of it's awesome. Um, and, and then just, yeah, the, the recovery of your body to, to be able to have that time. Um, as um, crazy as people probably think that we can just play every day because we get paid a lot of money to play basketball, your, your body gets extremely kind of beat up over the time. So, um, yeah, just the, the, the day of recovery, like you said, not flying, being able to, to, to sleep in your own bed for, for another night. Um, all, all of those things combined, to be able to have dinner yourself with, with your wife or, or girlfriend or whoever's at home with you. Um, obviously, we still come in. We, we came in yesterday for a little bit. We, we'll have a, a bit of a practice today um, and, and get what we need to get done um, heading into to tomorrow's game. But it is, it, it is very refreshing to be able to get those extra couple nights in your own bed and, and in your own house where obviously you're, you're very comfortable. So Mike was out, and you respond, particularly against the Celtics, with a, a high point total. You get to the line. I don't know if it was your NBA career record for most attempts, probably close. Was it a conscious it effort or just sort of happened as the game unfolds? Um. I mean, I've never in my life gone into a game thinking I need to get to the free throw line, which is probably why I never get to the free throw line. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, it's just a, yeah, I think like just the kind of the, the course of the game. Um, we were lucky. I think I said it, they asked me after the game the other night. Like, I think it was the second or third quarter, we had like six and a half, seven minutes of free throws. And then in the last quarter, we I think we were both in there pretty early, but we were a few minutes before them. Um, so it's just not a, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, I've never, uh, it's crazy because you, you see it all the time. Like Chris Paul, as soon as they get in the bonus, they run 
this one action where he gets it on the wing and he swings his arms through and he gets free throws. Like it's a, a conscious effort for him and yeah. to, to get to the free throw line. It, it slows the game down for whatever the scenario is. He gets to the line. Maybe his team needs that kind of break in the play or he needs to get going, whatever it is. And, and he obviously consciously thinks about it, which is, it's really a hell of a play. If you think about it, it's just a very smart thing to do. Um, I'm probably thinking about way too many other things than that at the moment, but um, yeah, I just yeah, I was, I was trying to play in the flow of our our, our game. Obviously, I had, I set a post game. Obviously, with with Mike out, I had the ball in my hands a little bit more and some more opportunities to, to create. And I was able to get in the paint a couple of times and draw some fouls. A couple of them were kind of touch fouls that that was just coincidentally that they were in in, in the the bonus already. But um, yeah, just a bit more of a I guess a a lucky coincidental thing than me trying to um, trying to think about it, but we do talk about it, I guess in in timeouts of like, hey, we're in the bonus with five minutes to go. Like, let's obviously we want to shoot threes, but we also want to attack the paint. So if we can hit Rudy and he can he can get a finish and get fouled, or we can get someone else to the line in the flow of the game, it's obviously a, 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 an easy two points, and it's uh, it kind of like like I said about the Chris Paul thing, it kind of kind of breaks the play up for a little bit. You, you get a bit of a break and you, you figure it out what you're doing next. You get to set your defense. Um, so it is a it is a good play as well. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, I, I definitely don't ever consciously think about it. Well, just know, Joe, that it's not just your teammates and your coach who have confidence in you in that corner three. Your listeners, <laughs> our listeners, but your listeners on your show are pretty pumped to see you shooting 11 threes against Boston. They, they believe you're going to knock down a, a, a pretty high percentage of those, which you, you've done a couple times this year, and, and both times you've knocked down a high percentage. So let it fly. That is the message from our listeners. As, uh, and I believe, uh, too. That's right. We, and PK, I do believe, too. I'm a believer. <laughs> Joe, I uh, believe. No more, no more passing. I'm shooting every time I throw There you go. Yeah. Let, it, let it fly. Fire All right, Joe, I know you gotta go, uh, you got to go face the swab. We don't want to keep you from that. Good grief, man. That's got to be the highlight. I'm of sitting day. here now looking at looking at people get swabbed through the window, and I know I'm about to be that person in about 30 seconds. <laughs> there you go. All right. Joe, thanks for the time. Good luck, and we will talk to you again next week. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Joe Ingles, every week right here on 97.5 and 12.8 of the zone, like clockwork. All right, we got to take a break. We'll be back. A little reaction to what Joe had to say. we got Craig Bowlerjack coming up in half an hour, and we got more people weighing in on jazz superstardom. Stay with us right here on 97.5 at 12.80 of the zone. Davis Vision's New Year's special continues through February. Save $1,000 off normal pricing now through the end of the month. Check them out now at davisvisionmd.com. All right, we just had Joe Ingles on. He said a lot of stuff about uh, winning and the way things are in the locker room and uh, and kind of a peek into the curtain as you got him to talk about laughing at Donovan not getting a triple-double. Uh, but on a serious note, he really did genuinely appreciate Donovan's response, uh, you know, the whole Shaq thing, like, hey, we just won a good game. How about we talk about, you know, the team winning a good game? So, any takeaways from that, PK? Anything you want to emphasize, especially to the people who are just joining us and just missed him? Yes, I do, absolutely. Thank you for asking. I think that they are aware of a lot of things, and sometimes we think that they're not aware. And um, what I mean by that is that he didn't go into great detail, but he gave us a little insight by saying that 
All right, they know that some folks out there are saying, oh, yeah, they beat some lousy teams, Charlotte, Indiana, whoever it might be. I can't even recall them in winning, uh, what, they won 11 in a row, and then, what is it, is it 15 out of 16 or 16 Mm -hmm. out of 17? Uh, And so they haven't played the best competition, and that's going to turn. So they're aware of that, And and I think that's good. It's good to be aware of stuff uh, I wouldn't say dwell on it and make it an obsession. Uh, and and to, although it depends, some people react to, to things differently. Jordan infamously, any slight, you know, he'd go berserk and he'd prove everybody wrong when everybody already believed him in in the first place. And there was really nobody to prove wrong because everybody thought you were an unbelievable <laughs> star. But yet he took it that way. Great. And so looking going ahead here as they play the Bucks. Bucks are a good team. I don't think they're all that and a super super team but they're a good team and if you beat the bucks there's something to be said for that and you sweep the bucks because you already beat them at uh at their place a few weeks back and so don't go crazy but acknowledge that you've got tougher tests so you've got an opportunity to grow not necessarily to prove yourself before media folks and fans that's not really where it's at that will happen you know, the, the, the media is going to do what it does, so really you should never get worked up about that either way. As I've gotten older, I've actually counseled some people in the business, not in the media business, but in the coaching business. Hey, let that go. Just don't – you're the one who can make the story beyond the story. The media can't make the story beyond the story. Your reaction to the story is what makes the story beyond the story. So let it go. I've advised coaches. I've advised coaches' spouses. Don't get caught up in that. So certainly I wouldn't want them to get caught up because the media's going to do what it does. But you're acknowledging that you've got some bigger games. And they're not going to make or break. But there's nothing wrong with acknowledging it. And maybe you can have a little bit more focus that maybe your focus might slip a little bit if you're playing whomever. Minnesota's at the bottom of the standings right now, whomever it might be. So I actually like that, and I appreciate Joe saying that. He didn't dwell on it. He just gave us a little hint about it. Well, you're right about a lot of things in there, and you know the not overreacting to something because that becomes the story. My gosh, if my wife tells me that one more time, <laughs> like, you're right, but your reaction becomes the story. So don't react, and you know how I am, PK. You know how hard it is for me not to react. <laughs> and then oh, I tell yeah. you not to react. No, don't right. react. And you're like, well, DJ, you're not always good at that. I know, but listen to what I say, not to yeah, what I do. Yeah, I mean, I know people can have counsel and not be perfect. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, the Bucks will be a quality win. They are the fifth best team by record in the NBA. And I do believe that the Eastern teams have easier schedules because of the nature of not just the bottom of the conference, but the middle of the conference. Uh But nonetheless, they're fifth. That stands for something. Now, here's the thing you got to know. There's 30 teams. When you get to fifth, you're really good. You've risen a long way. But the way the playoffs are set up, the fifth best team could go out in the second round because only four teams get to the conference final. So if you really want the prize at the end, you got to hold yourself to a really high standard. And that is what Sloan did for years, and it drove him nuts when the team didn't mention it, match it. And that's what Quinn is doing now. And the reason we have great memes of Quinn, which are available to all of us on social media now, are because sometimes the team doesn't match it. 
And I think what he's asking them to do is really hard. It's a lot of running, and there's a lot of games, and these guys get drained big time. But to the degree they execute it, it's their path to the title. And for the people who want the credit and want the superstardom now, winning 16 out of 17 is awesome. I can't say it enough. I can't put enough exclamation points after it. But Patrick Mahomes, who's already a champion, he's already got a Super Bowl. As a starting quarterback, he won 16 games out of 17. They went 14-2. and He didn't play the last game of the year when they lost to the Chargers. But he didn't play, and neither did several other stars on the team. So they were 14-1 in the regular season, and he won the two playoff games to get the Super Bowl. But 16 out of 17 doesn't make you a champ, and they lost to the Bucs, and they're not the champ. You know, So as awesome as this stretch, in, stretch is, let's not overvalue it. 16-17 doesn't make you the champion. The only thing that does that is winning the title. And that means you got to get past LeBron. And to me, the more we, the deeper we get into this, and the more we watch what's going on, there are other tests, and there are other teams that can beat the Jazz. But one of our listeners hit the nail on the head right now, um, Jeff J D T Hatch, J D Thatch, maybe one. Jeff says that's a fair statement about the Jazz and superstars. We've been talking about the the quote that uh, PK put up on Facebook. ESPN story says Utah Jazz don't have a true superstar in his roster, but what about Rudy? What about Donovan? Aren't they true superstars? Jeff says that's a fair statement about the superstars. The real question for the future of the league is, can a team that shoots a high volume of threes very well overcome superstars? We saw Stockton and Malone try to overcome Jordan, and they couldn't do it. In the biggest possessions, with the series on the line, Jordan won three possessions in a row. He went down and got a layup, he went down and got a steal, and he went down and hit a mid-range jumper. He won the three possessions, they won the game, and they won the series. And LeBron does similar stuff to people. There's a reason he's in the finals every year he's healthy, regardless of whether he plays in Miami, Cleveland, or L.A. And so... The Jazz, you could say they have superstars, and we got people here saying, do they have top 10 players? Do they have top 5 players? <laughs> Ultimately, if you're trying to win the NBA title, especially out of the Western Conference, the question is, can you beat LeBron? Now, along the way, you may have to beat the Clippers, too, and you may have to beat the Nuggets or whoever else. So those are legit questions. But can you beat LeBron? And deep down, do you really think anybody the Jazz have is better than LeBron? No. A guy who literally plays all five possessions at a really high level. He blocks shots at the rims, at the rim. He initiates the offense. He hits threes. He switches in, on defense and guards whoever he switches on to. So he solves social problems. <laughs> Jeff, I think, hits a huge issue here. If you've got five guys shooting 40% from three and a six guy in Clarkson is just barely below it. And Quinn pushes you like, guys, don't let him off the hook and shoot a two. If you got a three, take it. You guys make so many of them. Don't let him off the hook. You're giving them a free point in a close game. Shoot the three. You're good at it. Can a team that shoot a high volume of threes well overcome superstars? Jeff, a bees ticket on the berm, just one, in 2027 for you for nailing it. Yak, make that happen. Make sure he gets that bees ticket. That's the question, uh, PK. We can debate well, a lot of other stuff. That's yeah. the most important question. And in 2027, that those the Bs will not be AAA. They'll be MLB. You going to make so that happen? That, nice. that ticket will be more valuable. Sweet. No, I know a guy who owns who uh, has a lot of money. We just got to make sure he's a baseball fan. There it is. Uh, <laughs> Does he want to drop a billion dollars on the stadium? Hey, I'll contribute what I can. Yeah, that 25 bucks you're going to ASU is getting redirected. 
for an MLB team in Salt Lake? <laughs> Sorry, Devils. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, I'd pop it up to fifty. Uh, well, it, m- maybe though. <laughs> See, this whole mindset, and thats I get that's what's going to come down to, but maybe we're underestimating this team over here, and we're thinking, yeah, they're just a bunch of good three-point shooters. And yeah, they are, but maybe it's more than that. Maybe it's a situation where, sure, they've got a bunch of nice three-point shooters, but maybe they do have a couple of superstars too. And yeah, no one's better than LeBron. I mean, it's just the way it is, okay? But LeBron, even he needs help. When he didn't have help, he's getting swept. Yep. And when he has help, he's winning titles. So maybe they 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 have a defensive superstar, and he's I, I'd go go bear might be when it's said and done. Let's see, twenty seven now, and if say ten years, he may never get his due. Now, if he wins five titles, he will. Uh, but because he's not a big scorer, I think the sentiment of Shaq is widespread. Wait a second. You're giving him that much money? He's averaging 12, 13 points a game. you got to be kidding me. Right? And they don't see it. But maybe he really is a true superstar. And Mitchell is not quite there yet because he's 24. How many guys, as we said earlier this morning, in the history of the game have been there at 24? It's a five guys, maybe. But maybe they were on their way, and we could see it. And with Mitchell, we could see it. Maybe we'll see it this very summer. It's not out of the realm. It may be a long shot. It may be a medium shot. Whatever shot you think it is, it's up to you. But there's possibilities there that maybe just maybe we're underestimating the quality of this team, even as they tie the franchise best mark and sit there at 20-5, and five, we're still underestimating them. I cannot rule that out because I was telling you when we were still football obsessed, but the Jazz were getting going, and I was telling you, they got a lot of really good shooters. I mean, they got a lot of really good shooters. And you're like, well, that means second in the West. And I couldn't bring myself to say it. There was a part of me that believed it. And there's a part of me is like, oh, you're too close to it. And you want it to happen. And don't be an idiot here, you know? And so I had that, you know, internal debate. And you're like, ah, number two. And now look at them. Like, none of us are talking about the Clippers, which might be ridiculous. I mean, you might get to the playoffs in June or July or whatever the schedule turns out to be. And maybe it's the Clippers that knock the Jazz out, right? But as we sit here right now, I'm not focused on the Clippers. I'm focused on the Lakers. We've already talked about the Clippers. So the Clippers story is it's sort of like in a moratorium right now. Yeah. Because we already know them. We acknowledge them. Well, they're going to have the time. And the Lakers, we already know them. We already acknowledge them. The Jazz are the newcomers, uh, one of your favorite groups. They're the new kids on the block. And so they're the one getting our attention right now. And obviously locally, too, here, most especially. They get our attention on everything. And, yeah, we are close to it. But at the same time, we don't have that what I would call fan short-sightedness, maybe fan blindness. Mm-hmm. We were the ones getting called on the carpet. Why are you saying Ty Corbin's going to be fired? Because it's Ty not Corbin's, working. And Ty he Cor- is. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Got multiple right? people telling us. Right. And, and, and furthermore, so, if you read between the lines, yeah. he knew it. You know, Ty yeah. is nobody's fool. He knew it. And he said stuff to us. And it's like, well, okay, 
it wasn't that he said he was gone, but he drew up a list of conditions under which he would be gone, and the record was meeting those conditions. And we both heard him when he said it, and there were other people who heard it too. You know, so... Right, so I think we have we have a connection, but we also have a detachment. Yeah, that's true too. That can allow us to, and I believe everyone has a bias. I've said that forever and ever. If 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 I ever hear somebody say I'm unbiased, I think uh, you're just kidding yourself. Either you're a flat out liar, or you're kidding yourself, or somewhere in between. So we have biases. I want to see the team win because it's, it's twenty and five is awesome. There's no doubt about it. It's much better. I don't care who it is. Much better to talk about a winning team than a losing team. People rally around winners. This is the way it is. So, But at the same time, we don't have that. If they win, it's going to fulfill a childhood dream. We're not rushing to the cemetery. If the Jazz win the title, my father's gone now, but I'm not wishing, oh, my gosh, I wish I could talk to him. You know. But uh, when there was the first Triple Crown winner, and we hadn't had one when it was a few years back, I literally started crying because I missed not being able to talk to him. And I came out of the TV room, uh, uh, and my wife's like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> a horse won a race. <laughs> and then remember, I think I sent you a story about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because I had, shared, I had shared those moments for years and years with my father. We shared secretariat together. <laughs> and so that meant something to me. Well, the Jazz winning the title doesn't mean anything to me in that realm. So I think that allows us to have a certain objectivity with bias sprinkled or mingled in. Well, I don't want to paint, you know, the beating LeBron is impossible because LeBron's like all these other NBA stars. Yes, he's got a lot of titles, but he's been beaten more than he's won. So... You know, he's got four titles, but he hadn't been in the league eight years. He's not winning Mavericks half the beat time. Him. Come on, man. Jazz can beat him, too. <laughs> right. And, and who's to say that somebody else won't get him along the way? I mean, you just don't know. But you got to give the champs their due. Sure. And, you know, the La- to me, the Lakers are the favorite until somebody takes him down. And the Jazz guys won't be superstars until they take them down. You know, and, and you brought up the point earlier this morning, you know, Detroit got the title— but did they get all the respect that other champions get? And I think you'd have to say the answer is no. <laughs> I think we got enough body evidence now. You know, the answer is no. And honestly, the Spurs won five times, and they get a ton of respect, but they would have gotten more respect if they'd done it in L.A. or New York. You know, there's just a part of us that's going to just have to admit, it's not L.A. or New York, and they'll never get treated like it's L.A. or New York. You know, if the Knicks get one, my gosh, we'll be drowning in Knicks sentimentality. Well, if they get one more, they've had them, obviously. Yeah, not for 45, right. 50 years now, yep. coming up close to it anyway. I think the last was in 73. Uh, so, sure, I'll, I'll buy all that. But, you know, Kansas City's not exactly a, a booming media market. We can spot, speak to someone who grew up there. Yeah. But, but yet Mahomes is just, everybody knows who Mahomes is. NFL quarterbacks, that's a little different beast. It, it, but, is, a, it is different. Okay, I but understand Mitchell, that. But Mitchell and Mahomes have a lot in common. They both hit the media spotlight. They both mature beyond their years. They both are very comfortable in front of a microphone, in front of a camera. You know, they both have a ton of charisma. You know, and then if you win and you perform, I mean, Mitchell, you know, even the discussion on the TNT set, and I don't want to make the TNT set like it's, you know, <laughs> but even the discussion, the tone on the TNT set was different when Mitchell did it a second time on TNT. 
You know, you can, you're right, you can change the narrative based on how you play when the spotlight's on you. And obviously the spotlight is going to get brighter as we get deeper into the season. Yes, it will. And I believe, I don't have, like, perfect knowledge. My knowledge is still in the faith embryo stages that Mitchell is not a fluke. And these step-back threes that he hits against uh, the Celtics and the stuff that he did in the bubble, not to that extent because I think we're seeing that basically the bubble was like a juiced baseball <laughs> and why we saw all the home runs, you know, why we saw the Jamal Murrays of the world going off uh, the way they did. So I think that it's more true. He may not go for 50 multiple times, but it's still more It's more reflective of who he is and what he's capable of and what he will do. It's about hitting the big shots, and there were a couple years ago when I was bringing that up routinely. Is he going to add the step-back three? He's got to add the step-back three. Is he going to add that? I never bring that up anymore. He's got it. He, he's made too many of them. It's not a flu. Yeah, baby, his, he's got it. And his numbers, you know, the 50 feels like to me like it was juiced by the bubble. You know, his big games are more likely to be mid to upper 30s. And that is with Conley out. I think his numbers are going to go down when Conley comes back. You know, when people are going 36 and 9 the other night. Well, okay, he had nine assists. Conley would have had some of those. The ball wouldn't have been in his hands as much. Yeah, that's for sure. So that's that's where I look at the numbers, but I know sometimes you got to look at the circumstances around the numbers. Conley's out. It's changing things. Conley would get some more shots and would have some of those assists. So, but the key is you hit the big ones. You know, when the game's still in the balance, can you hit two threes? Now, the threes he hit, they had a lead at that point, and they had actually a two, two or three possession lead when he hit them, uh, the first one. You know, so those aren't the toughest shots. It's a little tougher to do when you're tied with LeBron or when you're down one. No, but they were still cocky shots. They were. They that were. You had the cajones to actually even take the shot. Yeah, and that one of them was definitely deep enough you could have passed and not raised any eyes. You know, like, yeah, that was a little deep. I can see why he wanted a better shot. He's like, nah, it's good enough. Bang. Look at it this. I hate to be the guy who brings this up, but that's my job. I am the bad guy. Uh, If nothing else, as he continues to play sensationally, people will be fixated on, well, when's he going to leave Utah? And that'll draw attention to him. Even though all of us don't want to hear that, and it's not going to happen for a number of years anyway, irregardless. So he's locked in for the, what, the next four or five years. But I've already seen, we've heard stuff about that. And this, this thing, well, in a sense, with Mitchell, is just barely getting started. Yeah, and you're 100% right on that. I mean, just look at, look at uh, Antetokounmpo. You know, that was, that, is Giannis going to leave? Where is he going to leave? Why is he going to leave? Is he going to leave? Where is he going to leave? Why is he going to leave? I mean, just over and over and over and over until he signed. And if you're a good player and you're not in one of four or five glamour markets, then that's Where the storyline. Where he's line. from, one of them. Yeah, he's got the tie to New York, obviously. I mean, he was saying when they went to play the Knicks and Nets, that was when you could still have the two people in your room. And he's talking about, I'm going to see my mom and sister. This is great. Yeah, he's obviously got the tie there. He's raising a banner here in SLC. Atta kid. But it's not just him either. I mean, are we going to hear that same storyline play out with Zion in New Orleans? I'm 100% in on yes, we are. You know, it's his second year, so it's too early. But we're going to hear it. That's where that's going. Probably. If, if he continues to develop as a player. You know, if he doesn't, if he doesn't, 
the thing is, if he he doesn't really have to win as long as he scores a lot, because we've seen with Pau Gasol and Anthony Davis, hey, you may not be able to win and be the guy, but we still need you as the second guy. And so there'll be a market for him, and it'll probably happen with him too. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Bowler's coming up next. Stay with us. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to welcome in Craig Bowlerjack, his weekly interview presented by University of Utah Health, trusted health care provider for the Utah Jazz family and yours. Bowler, good morning. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. What's happening? Well, I want to begin with condolences. Sorry about your uh, Chiefs in the Super Bowl, dude. Oh, I mean, come on. There was no way they deserved even a, a sniff of the Super Bowl. Penalties, plus the fact O-line, as we knew, um, left tackle to right tackle the guard. They just had to shift things around in Mahomes' big toe. How about that? But you know what? Hey, really, the Bucks played great. They had a great game plan. They kept Tyree Kill in check. And Tom Brady was Tom Brady. It was uh, too bad, kind of a yawner, to be honest. So I wanted to bring that up because I think there's a parallel to be drawn between the Jazz and the Chiefs. And and now that I've opened wound, the wound and poured salt into the uh, the open no, sword that is your Chiefs fandom, you poured you poured Clorox in there. I now. did. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, but Mahomes was sixteen and one as a starter this year. He didn't play in the Charger game. They sat a bunch of their star players in the season finale. 16-1, but he didn't get the championship. Ironically, the Jazz in the last 17 are 16-1. And, and people oh, want to boy. fast forward, and they want all the credit, but you know you're not the champion until you actually win the biggest games at the end of the year. And so I'm curious as you watch this, and as a guy who was around to see all the Jazz through you know, the 90s, there's stuff that matters in the regular season, stuff that matters in the playoffs. Sure. They're obviously conquering a lot of the regular season thing. What are you watching for now? Something that they need to make sure they have locked down that will translate to the playoffs because you don't want to be in the home situation. You win a lot, but you got all the disappointment at the end. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great discussion point, honestly, DJ, because uh, you don't want to peak too early and you want to stay consistent. So it's kind of a weird balance, you know. And we cover the Jazz and, and what Carl and John were able to do, and they were consistent, by the way. They were also dominant at home, and I think that's one thing you know, you can t- you know, you'll be able to see this week. Already got a Boston win, tomorrow night Milwaukee, then Miami. And then, you know, before you hit the two games in L.A., you have to play Embiid and the 76ers. So, you know, I, I think you can be excited, but also it's a long season, 72. It would be 82 under normal circumstances, but it's not. Nothing's normal right now. So uh, I think consistency. And, again, we can say – what I'm impressed with is that at this point, both on the offensive and defensive side, because the offensive and defensive ratings are top five, and that's just a rarity to have in the NBA to be that good on both sides of the ball. So that's something to watch if you want to keep track of how the Jazz are playing and that consistency number with offense and defensive ratings. Uh, but the three ball has been a, a true friend of the Jazz, a totally new approach, I think, 
uh, to what the Jazz are doing, but that's the way of the NBA, and the Jazz with Quinn Snyder are just trying to keep up with the times. And they have surrounded Gobert with multiple three-point shooters and clutch shots, by the way. And I thought Joe and Donovan were very clutch against the Boston Celtics. And that's the other key, too, DJ, uh, is that when you get in a situation to win games, you don't let them slip away. And that's the other thing to watch. Are, are the Jazz winning games in clutch time situations? That's what the Jazz, who did make it to two, two NBA championship runs, that's what they used to do. They would win games they had to win. And I guess as the season continues to unfold, those, those are the other, that's another thing I'll be looking for as well. So I understand the idea of peaking uh, too early that it's a, it's like you're borrowing worries from the future if you're 20 and five like oh what could right. go wrong and so you're coming up with oh peaking you know I don't want to see them peak and all that but when I look at it shooting is shooting yeah and you should be able to shoot shooting isn't necessarily peaking shooting could come and go from time to time but it's not it's not really about playing beyond yourselves because they're all a bunch of good shooters so when i step back to me it's not worrying about peaking it's just almost to the point praying sounds outrageous but hoping that they don't have injuries yeah yeah you know i think the word when you say peak is that they don't lose the edge to pk i think i would throw that in that conversation is that and i don't think this team is built that way uh, satisfaction? No. I, I think, again, it's been said and told and spoken and all the Zoom calls and all the post-game interviews is that there's one purpose and they're not satisfied. You know, I go back to uh, the 3-1 loss to Denver in the playoffs and Donovan said never again. So if that holds true, that's, I guess, kind of, I want them to keep that edge. And I I, I don't see anything, like you said, that that's going to teeter, um, you know, off, teeter off. Now, look, the NBA is the NBA. They're, they may have a, a two- or three-game slide, but you want to see them get back on track. Like after losing at Denver, they've been able to rip off five straight. Um, and, you know, it's it's an amazing thing to watch, you know, 20 wins. And um, I, I think, you know, the peaking means you don't lose your edge and that you don't feel too confident. And I don't think this team will do that. I really don't. I And you're right about injuries. So far, so good. The Jazz have been able to handle Donovan's concussion. They've been ha- able to handle, you know, the, the 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 hamstring of Mike Conley, and that also proves out they they have depth, and that Joe Ingles, thankfully, has been in that starter position and doesn't miss a beat when he's on the floor. And uh, I think that comes into play too about whether you make it to that to the big show or not, and. You have to be lucky, and you have to really be able to negate injuries or fill in those spots, and the Jazz so far have been able to do both. So at what point uh, did you really think this isn't just a good team, this is an excellent team? I mean, is there any point where you bought in at a new level to what you were seeing? Oh, boy. Well, I tell you, during the run, it was impressive, and especially after they bounced back. After, and they, I think it maybe started with the Bucks, right, where you said, okay, here comes the, quote, bounce-back character game, right, after the two losses against the Nets and the Knicks. And then they beat the Bucks, who they're going to face again tomorrow night. Uh, that was a real telling moment for me that they could – 
actually look inside and say we're not happy with who we are, and then they bounced to the other side instead of being, you know, that that could have tailed into a very tough and and you know tough time for the Jazz. It could have been multiple losses, not just two in a row. Hard to get yourself back on track on the road, but they did. Honestly, and then the run they had of eleven. Uh, was really impressive. And then I'll I tell you another time that just impressed me the other night. Boston was throwing back at them. Jazz would throw back. And then at the end, you had clutch shooting from Joe, then Donovan, and then some rim rattling by uh, by big Rudy Gobert, maybe a, a message back to Shaq, say, hey, I'm still here uh, on that national game that we missed. But um, I, there's just been bits and pieces throughout the season. What I'm impressed is that they don't, they don't see. And again, PK, you talked about this a week ago about, I believe, um, home court versus road and the lack of fans. So are you more dialed in, just focused like they were in the bubble uh, by not really being berated as they usually are by, you know, road, road team fans? And they seem to be just focused in whether they're home or away. And that's that's uh, something that's kind of played into this success as well. You look at their home and road records. I mean, they're one of the tops in the NBA, both home and away. And great teams have to win on the road. And I think that's another um, uh, another indicator for me too. The road, the road record, and how they respond on the road. So twenty and five is going to get people's attention. Twenty five and five is going to get more attention. Right? And the more you win, the more attention you're going to get. And we're expecting this team to win to what degree? I don't know if they win five in a row, but we're expecting them certainly to continue to win at a very high level. With that, they're going to be starting to get showered with a bunch of plaudits and all that stuff. And I don't even know if plaudits is a word. It just sounds big. It sounds uh, good. <laughs> but uh, how do you think this team is going to handle all the love that is coming their way? I hope really well because they've taken a lot of hits, DK. Man, I mean, two weeks ago it was just the opposite right now. Even though they, they came out with a victory and Donovan had 32 that night, Shaq still had to make a comment. And I think, again, it, it was a negative moment, but maybe also a positive. I think they're still the non-believers, and, of course, everyone still focuses on the two L.A. teams. So it's uh, it's – I don't have a problem with – I think the Jazz actually, from, a, from my feel of talking to them, on, and all of us have been on Zoom calls off and on, I miss the one-on-one opportunities to kind of really dig a little deeper. But playing – being part of the underdog really, I think, plays into the, the hands of this franchise. I think that they know that there are non-believers and they still are focused – you, you look at the headlines nationally. Uh, what was it the other night? Uh, Lamelo Ball had 42, but the Jazz cruised to a win, you know, or what have you. It's it's never the, the love never comes from you know at the top of the Jazz. It's always like the secondary storyline. You guys have noticed that, and I'm sure the Jazz read the same things we do. And so I, I again motivator. Why not? I mean, if you want to run through this season as the underdog and then of course you have to as you said you have to get to the you know get to the to the level the next level to really i think gain i think the respect that maybe the jazz haven't had since carl and john maybe a little bit with boozer and d will when they got to the western conference final but it's uh it's a tough road to um let's say steal the headlines 
from the likes of the Bucks, the Sixers, the Lakers, and the Clippers. And so you're on that secondary level. But again, as they continue to make this climb, if they do, and especially with these tough games from the East, there's more Eastern media that are watching the, the Bostons tomorrow night, the, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Miami Heat, and the Philadelphia 76ers. And then you kind of hit the road and see where we stand. But this homestand's big. In fact, the two road games next week, you can't look ahead. Uh, I mean, that's obviously Quinn Snyder's mantra, but it's one game at a time, you know, the way they approach it. But these games, you know, are going to are gonna be big in the sense of the, the respect, the continued respect or building of that respect and credibility in the league. So on the one hand, you want the respect, but on the other hand, it's not worth a lot in the NBA. Maybe in the referee whistle, that would be the right, one place. So. Uh, yeah. A no call can be critical. You know, an extra trip to the free throw line might be critical. But they're not playing that many close games, so I can't even oversell that. I mean, the refs, the refs aren't going to give somebody you know fifteen extra free throws. You yeah. know, and they're playing yeah. so many ten point games. That's what it would take. So really, it, if it's useful and it keeps the players focused, great. But, you know, we're not talking about K-State here, Bowler. We're not talking about your alma mater trying to take down Oklahoma and perception matters. And even if K-State wins the league, they aren't going to the playoff. So really, why are people getting all wound up in this? Except for Quinn Snyder, if he thinks it's going to be useful to help keep the guys focused in a long season. Yeah. Um, I, I think again, this, we guys, we've been, we've been doing this a while and I think there's always been this, uh, anger of lack of respect and so to see the jazz on top and the lakers just won their 20th game last night uh and a great rival by the way uh who you know you're gonna have to run through most likely to win the west unless injuries would come and play into something you know with with la but um you know i think there's always been kind of this woe is me we don't get enough attention and you know what there's dj we we've covered pk we've covered this all the teams in the what in in the, in the western part of the country for for a long time, and the Utah Jazz are the centerpiece in Salt Lake. Um, and there's always been that like, come on, look look at us, you know. How about an All Star bid, you know? And and D Will finally get Gordon Hayward got one. D Will, you know, Booze came in with some credibility as well. And then there's been that down down pot spot until Rudy earned his way, and Donovan was you know, and Gordon left. That was big news, and. So there's always been kind of stories about, well, just not quite. Ah, maybe, you know. And then last year they were picked, actually, remember, to be at the top of the West or at least could be the winner of the Western Conference. That didn't work out. This year they were held back in, into the, what, fours and five spots, maybe some six in the West, and now they're on top. So I guess it's the fact the fans love this franchise and they want the respect that goes with that. But it takes a long time to build it. Um, and I think the Jazz now at the top, you know, people are saying, hey, look at us. But still, a lot of people aren't coming along for the ride on the national scene. That takes a lot of time. And it also takes championships, Western Conference titles, et cetera, to do so. And it's been, been, a, been a generation nearly since uh, John and Carl were there uh, in 97 and 98. So I think that's kind of part of it, too. Bowler, as always, we appreciate the time. Thanks for licking your Super Bowl wins, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, which isn't even possible. I I appreciate the Clorox. I really do. (laughs) And and that wound. PK, man, I 
I need a large Band-Aid. But, no, hey, uh, <laughs> Mahomes got fixed yesterday with his big toe. So, you know what? The future's bright. There it is. <laughs> there it is. All right, Bowler, we appreciate it. Thank you. Talk to you soon, guys. Take care. All right, Craig Bullerjack, he is on every week with us here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone, and he's brought to you by University of Utah Health, trusted health care provider for the Utah Jazz family and yours. With 16 neighborhood health centers, U of U Health has a game plan for your family's care. Visit uofuhealth.org slash jazz. Your feedback next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. We hope that the Mavericks just swirl down the drain Cause every one of them gets rich Under the flag that they disdain Kay, always creative. Is that the first appearance of the week for Kay? Yep. Kay's one for four this week. Pretty timely, though. Yeah, okay, there you go. It's fresh as today's headlines. BK, we got a lot of people uh, tweeting at us. I, I, I think we can do another day on the superstar deal. There, there's, a, there's some good takes out there. I got to, I got to give it up. We have had multiple listeners, really good, and I thought it was going to lead to a lot of, you know, our guys get no respect. Utah, we get treated like we're backwater, and there's some of that. But th- here's a good one: the white whale at Newman New tweets at us. Uh, does superstar? The question, if you didn't hear it earlier in the show, ESPN story about the Jazz says they don't have a true superstar in the roster. But what about Rudy? What about Donovan? Aren't they true superstars? The White Whale says, does superstar mean all star? Then they obviously have two. If it means the media and refs treat them like a superstar, then no. If it's elite level top five in the league that would automatically make any team they were on a contender, then probably not right now. And. Uh, Employee member twelve. Uh, employee number twelve says, "Yeah, by that definition, Curry, Lillard, even Luca are not superstars. Their teams aren't contending for anything this year. You know, Curry, if he had, uh, you know, Clay Thompson, maybe it would be a different story. Although, I, I guess to their point, you know, if you can't do it by yourself, are you really a superstar? And that's where you put, okay, uh, is LeBron on a level by himself, or LeBron on Kawhi on a top shelf? The rest of the league can't get to." Which one player all by themselves makes you a contender? And who can be the best player on a contender? i got to say, in my mind, Curry's a superstar. I want to see him anytime he's on. He's won a lot. He's got three titles. He's been close a couple other times. And he puts on a show that I can't wait to see. So in my mind, he's on that level as a superstar. Okay. I'll agree with that. Luca, you know, one day I want him to be, but not yet. I mean, you got to win something. I mean, I guess Luca's in a lot lot of ways is kind of similar to the Jazz. You can see the potential, but if you've gone out in the first round the last two years, I get why you're doubting. But look at what they're doing, and look how old Luca is. Look how old Donovan is. We can't judge them and compare them to what thirty-year-old players have done. They're just not to that point yet. No, and I also think you have to factor in Luca's not the GM of the team, man. He's right. not the one whose uh, sidekick and Porzingis seems to be hurt a bunch. And so I don't knock him on any individual achievement and his level of stardom because his team isn't good enough around him. To me, the fact that they uh, took a couple ball games off the Clippers last year without Porzingis is indicative of how awesome he is. Actually, it works for him, not against him. And the other thing I've, uh, and I, I haven't seen a lot of this, but I have seen a couple references to it, is that beyond even the star players, when you start looking at, 
you know, all the role players, does Dallas shoot the ball well enough? And they are uh, next to last in three-point shooting percentage. So as much as it is about the star player and about the top two players, you know, everybody on the Jazz is, is benefiting because, as Joe brought up, you know, there's four or five guys on any night who can go off from three. And that's why the team's shooting 40%. And so to your point, it's not even just the two start. you got to put some role guys around who can make open shots and make open threes. When you're 29th out of 30 and three-point shooting, how, how good are you supposed to be? Well, they're not. Just look at their record. I don't right. need to look at the stats. I just look at the record. Triple Craig Smith Salary says, Donovan, superstars, Donovan, yes, Rudy, no, not yet. And that's because offense makes for better highlights than defense. Yeah, I don't think that Gobert is ever going to get his acclaim because he's not going to average 20-25. It's not his game. And we all preach defense, but when it comes down to it, nobody shows a highlight of a a player driving and then you see in his head, no, I'm not doing this. I know how this is going to end. And so he backs it out and passes to somebody else. That'll never make the highlight. But we will see it. If you watch intently, as we all do, you will see it tomorrow night against the Bucks. It'll absolutely, it'll happen. DJ PK, we will talk to you tomorrow morning from 6 to 10. We're making way for Scotty and Hands next on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.